afford to be here. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away. A song away. A song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me tonight is my guest co-host chair. He's all the way in from Chicago. He's been here before. You've heard his voice. He made me listen to 72 Beach Boys albums. <laughs> tonight he is, uh, he's chosen a topic that is, uh, is it's a little more streamlined than the Beach Boys, but uh, first of all, let's say hello to Mr. Kevin Hartbarger, right? Is it Hartbarger? Yes, absolutely. Hello, Pat. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good. I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. Kevin and I are very warmed up and friendly because we, uh, <laughs> we had uh, some pizza and beer with, uh, yeah. with uh, Pilar for yeah. about an hour and a half. So. Yeah, that was great. It was, uh, you know, it was nice to meet the villain of the show. Yeah. <laughs> was that a dick move, bringing my lady? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, it was great to meet her. I just... You know, it's it. Um, it's funny when you're a podcast listener. You probably hear this from a lot of your listeners. You feel like you do feel like you become friends with people because you hear their voice and you hear other stories. And um, so to me, it was like, oh my gosh, you're, this is a real person. I've been hearing this name that, for years. It's so funny when people say that. Like, is it weird that I know so much about you and you don't know anything about me? Right. And I'm like, mm, no, because we just. <laughs> I like to just put it out there and let it all hang out. Yeah. Hey man. Right. <laughs> Groovy. Let right. it all hang out. Uh, Kevin, uh, you are, uh, and you refresh my memory cause, cause I don't, you know, when I sit down with someone for just like three hours and then we, and then that's it. And then I don't see you again. I didn't remember a lot of the stuff, but yep. you're, you're in advertising. Yeah. I, I got all caught up. I, I, I could pretend like I remembered from last time, but I'm not, um, I'm an honest individual. Yep. So, uh, but, uh, two kids, wife. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm a, uh, uh, wife and two kids of a 12-year-old daughter, nine-year-old son. Actually, my my son said, "Can you talk about me on the podcast?" So I, yeah, I will. I will mention uh, my son Trevor likes to play hockey. He has <laughs> hockey games this weekend uh, that I'm missing, but I uh, was able to watch online. So that's you know, new technology is actually keeping me connected. Um, is, he, is he a good hockey player? Uh, yeah, he's good. He made the first team this year. That was his goal. Congratulations, was to make Trevor! The top, make the top team. So good for him. We're very proud of him. And he's, uh, you know, he plays defense. So that's a little um, that can be tough on you as a parent sometimes because they're the last person standing between the kid that's going <laughs> to score a goal. And yep. when they do score a goal, you're you just hope it wasn't your kid that made the mistake, but no, he's, he's good. He's good. He's, uh, it's really uh, the goalie that makes that mistake. It, it really Kevin. is. Well, you know, and if it gets, if it gets past him, I say, you know, you had four other guys on the team yeah. before it got to you. So does he take it uh, to heart? If he lets someone score, is he like bummed? Uh, yeah, but he lets it roll. He lets it roll off okay, his that's back good. pretty quickly. Yeah. He kind of, you know, he, he's upset for a second, and, and then, then, he, move and then on. he gets past it. And then after the game's over, he always says he has fun, win or lose. So that's good. That's how, that's how to be Trevor. Uh, Very yeah, good. Absolutely. And then my daughter, Dylan is uh, big in the theater. And uh, so I should mention her too, even though she didn't specifically ask me to, uh, why did you mention me? Yeah. It's so stupid. She is almost a teenager. So yeah, she's definitely going to roll her eyes when she hears. Does she have uh, <laughs> I know you just said she just got a phone when she went to started going to middle school. Mm -hmm. So how, are you policing the phone at all? We try to, but uh, she, I think, has figured out how to undo some of the <laughs> some of the parental controls. Okay, you know, there there are yep. definitely there are definitely nights where it's you know it's ten o'clock and she's 
still in her room. She's uh, on it. You know, she's binge watching something on Netflix. That's what's so funny. Like I remember, like before we were parents, we were like, the kids would never have a TV in their room. Oh, now, yeah, everything's a TV. Right. (laughs) Everything's a fucking TV. Right. (laughs) I just swore you can't. You have to cut this. Uh, no, they, uh, they've heard th- some swearing. There was, yeah, they've heard, uh, you know, dad has said some choice things. I was and, trying to keep, I was trying to keep it swear free up until we start. That right. Way you could actually <laughs> play this the whole way through. And, right. But, uh, okay, kids, sorry. There'll, there'll be some lyrics tonight that they'll probably have some questions about oh, too. So. Definitely. <laughs> You'll let them hear this whole episode. Uh, yeah, they listened, uh, un- believe it or not, listened to all of the last time I was here, which is probably one of the longer, episodes yes, that you've had. was. Did yeah. they say, you're so much better than that other guy? Just, <laughs> I hated him. Uh, They're I, talking about Kyle, though. Yeah, exactly. They, right. I'm, I'm, well, I'm like, you know, and Uncle and, Pat. And I noticed Kyle isn't here anymore, so, you know. No, hey. he's not here right now. He yeah. will be back. Yeah. He better be back. Yeah. You'll get him. I'll kidnap him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, it's, I'm, I'm glad you're back. Because you yeah. did a great job last time. Well, I and appreciate you're it. A nice guy, and you're a friendly guy, and you know music, and you brought this uh, Warren Zevon topic, which we have uh, yet to do. And Mike Siegel wanted to sit in with us, but he's out of town, so he you snooze, you lose. Oh, yeah, because he's right. a big fan. Murray said he's a big fan too, but then he never got back to me. Well, I said, do you want to sit in, Murray? He's like, Warren Zevon's one of my favorites. I'm like, okay, well, we're doing, it. and then nothing, nothing. Yeah. Well. Maybe he was worried it was going to be another three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, he would have to go. Uh, how many studio albums do we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yep, that's okay. it. Twelfth being, was it released after he passed? Two weeks before he passed. Two weeks before he passed. So he got to see that thing uh, uh, bomb. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, actually, no. I mean, it, well, I will talk about it uh, eventually, but yeah. it, it didn't bomb. It no, was, it didn't. It, you know, it's and, one of his. It's one of the two that has certifications. Yeah, and I, you know, I'll I'll say as a you know as a marketer, someone who does this for a living, mm-hmm. he um, he displayed a real aptitude for marketing when he you know, found out when, when he was diagnosed and found yeah. out that he, you know, had maybe just months to live and right. ended up being, you know, a little over a year. Um, he took, adv- ad- took advantage of it from sure a, did. from a, you know, a purely mercenary standpoint to, um, get everything he could out of, um, you know, the people he brought in for that yep. record and then the sales of it and, um, and, and Grammys. I mean, that yeah. was, you know, he won two Grammys, uh, posthumously for, yeah. Um, for this record. So, and we'll, yeah, we'll, and, we'll get there eventually. And, and that always sucks when the awards come after you're gone. Like for example, if he gets in the rock and roll hall of fame, he's gone. Yeah. I just think it's any of these veteran artists that do deserve to be in the rock and roll hall of fame, get them in there while they can still enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Cause I, they want to be in, they might say they do. They do. Yeah, I agree. Well, it'll be interesting cause there's now a new guy, uh, Jan Wenner has stepped aside as the, as the chairman of the selection committee. All and, right. There's a new guy, so hopefully that means that some of this backlog of people that should be in will maybe get in and be considered. Yeah. And it's insane when you look at the list of people who aren't in. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of every year when when the people that are getting in, if there's people that I feel like shouldn't be in. I, that that doesn't happen too much either. Like I I don't go like really that person. But if you looked at the list of the people that aren't in, you might say, well. This person should be in before those people. Yeah. I think there's a lot of personal bias. I might look mm-hmm. at the l- list of people who are in and right. say, you know, uh, 
Patty Smith. I don't get Patty Smith. I understand that she's uh, been very influential yes, yeah, and, yeah. uh, you know, I enjoy some of her work, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. And you know, I would put Pat, Pat Benatar in before Patty Smith. Right. Exactly. And Pat Benatar's not in. That's right. So if it's all about, you know, making sure there's representation of women artists. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Pat Benatar goes in before. And then, um, and they do really shy. I know you're not a heavy metal, hard rock fan, but they really do shy away from that yeah. genre of music. And I'm not saying, Poison and Cinderella should be in there. I'm not saying that. No. But you know, I, Judas Priest Judas and Iron Priest, Maiden. Absolutely. Come on. These yeah. bands, they're still big. They're still selling record, making records and, and selling stadiums out. So yeah, come I, on, I agree. And if some of the criteria is about influence, which, you know, there are, there are plenty of artists in there that didn't have long careers, right. but had very influential careers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, not. I'm not a big Judas Priest or Iron Maiden fan, but I would agree 100. percent right. And a, a band like Def Leppard, who who just got in, they would surely tell you that, oh yeah, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, they're they're our guys. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see. So we'll see with this new guy in charge, and yeah, if the list comes out next year and it's terrible again, <laughs> it's then terrible again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Warren Zevon. Yeah. Warren Zevon. When was how? When was Warren Zevon born? How old of a guy was this dude? Um, let's see. I'm going to say, I know he was born in Chicago. All right. Um, 47, maybe something like that. I'm trying to think. He was 56 when he died in 2003. So yeah, that would he have been. He was 56. 56. I'm 55. That's, <laughs> I got to tell you, he looked a lot older than I looked. Yeah. Well, hopefully you go to the doctor on I do go to the basis. doctor. Yeah, he did not. He was so. yeah, he was born in 47. Yeah, died when he was 56. I can't believe that it was 2013. I mean, that's 16 years ago. Yeah. 60 he would be 72 right now. Right. Right. Uh I I've told this many times, but again, when I tell stories, when I repeat stories, it's for you know, maybe there's new listeners that never heard the story, but he uh he would go to he went to the gym I went to. Oh. It was called the Beverly Hills Health and Fitness. It was not in Beverly Hills. It wasn't even close <laughs> to Beverly Hills. But it was on Beverly Boulevard. And uh, he, was, he was, I'd see him in there all the time. He's, he was a mess. Mm. Like he would, work, he would work the biceps all the time. Like his arms were jacked. But then he was just kind of doughy and heavy and right. looked, always looked just a mess, like greasy and, you know, didn't, you weren't going to approach him. Because he just, he didn't look friendly. Yeah. But but it was definitely, but it's 100% him. I'm like, oh my God, there's more Zevons here. That's kind of, it's kind of cool. <laughs> but it is cool. It is cool. But then you would see him when he would leave, he would, he would smoke outside as yeah. he's walking to his car. That's the, the smoking is the big, is, is bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he, I uh, think there's studies right. that say smoking's not good. Right. Exactly. One, well, and he, um, uh, they don't, I guess they didn't think that what he had, which was, you know, a, a very aggressive form of lung cancer yeah. was actually caused by smoking. Cause I guess whatever form he had is, um, maybe caused by other things, exposure mm -hmm. to certain chemicals and he couldn't figure out like how he got it. It's but, very hard for me to believe that it's yeah. not a little bit related to putting smoke in your lungs. Right. Yeah. And he, you know, didn't, uh, I, you know, he did, he, he did get clean, mm -hmm. um, for a while, you know, for probably 10 to 12 years. Um, certainly not early in his career, but he did come to a point where he realized that he, 
you know, was, was too indulgent, uh, too, too many addictions. And so he did get clean from, you know, the, the drugs and the alcohol. drugs and alcohol and uh, still had some other vices, but I think he was looking after himself a little bit more. Well, he's at the gym. And he, and he was at the gym. <laughs> he was at the gym, I'm telling you. He was trying. Um, but, so, you know, never saw a doctor. And then when he finally did, they were like, well, actually. Never saw a doctor. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I feel, see, I feel like Tom Petty probably didn't go to the doctor a lot. Right. But I bet Bruce Springsteen does. Yeah. He's like kind of aware of, of health right. in himself. And right. I think some people do and some people don't, but I just, I can't imagine not going to the doctor. Yeah. Well, he was, he was, uh, uh you know, I'm, so I've been reading, um, you know, while we're getting ready for this, I've been reading the, uh, biography that his ex-wife wrote about him, um, a few years after he died and he, he, how long had they been um, um, separate or divorced they, when he passed? Uh, probably 20 years. Mm. Um, maybe longer. Okay. Um, she was the, he, has two, he had two kids. Um, and his, uh, uh, she was the mother of his daughter, who's the younger of his two kids. Um, but he, I guess he always considered them married until the day he died, even though he had other relationships, yeah. but they divorced, but he still kind of considered her. He was the only person he ever married. So he still sort of considered her his wife. And he had, he said to her, I want you to write my biography. And I don't want you to hold anything back. Well, I want you to she, tell, she did not she, from what I hear. Yeah, she didn't. And so, um, there's a lot of, uh, he, he had a lot of, he was very superstitious. Um, he thought, you know, there were a lot of things were were bad luck. He um, obsessively bought gray Calvin Klein t-shirts. Um, so he would be on tour and, you know, on the next day after the show, before he went off to the next town, he'd have someone drive him to the local mall and he would go around and he would buy the, the exact same t-shirt. He wouldn't open the packages. He just had them. Um, Did he wear them? He, he wouldn't wear all of them. Um, and... But he would, and he, he bought the same color and same style, but he would go into a store sometimes and he'd see a stack and he'd look and say, this is a bad stack. So he was kind of a, kind of a quirky, superstitious. That's really quirky and weird. Uh, and so I think that that's one of the reasons why he didn't go to see a doctor. Cause yeah. I think he just, that was something he was big on things are good luck and things are bad luck. And it's, when your time's up, it's up. One of those guys, maybe. Right. Yeah. It, when it, yeah, when your number's up, it's coming for you. Yeah. There's I think nothing that, you can do about it. Yeah. I think that was part of it. I have a full body scan every two weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very expensive, but that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I, when, I, uh, when I hear these guys that, um, well, obviously, you know, he died just a year older than I am. But when I hear like, you know, like Glenn Fry dies and he dies, I don't know, was he 70? Maybe he was 70. Yeah. And I'm like, 70? Do I only have 15 years left? Right. I mean, what? You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. when, when, you know, when you get to be, you know, of a certain age and you go, wait a minute, how long do I have left? Yeah. Well, I just, I, I turned 50 this year and, um, you know, turning 40 seemed like, ah, 40. Right. 50 was like a real number. I don't know how you felt, but <laughs> it didn't, 50 did not bother me at really? all. I had a party. I always celebrate my birthday. Um, I think 56 will be weird in February because now you're, you're closer to 60 sure. than you were to 50. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I 
I feel good and I, you good. know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm kind of, Im, I'm immature. Yeah. <laughs> right. So same young kids kind of, you yeah, know, that I mean, helps, I, right? Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I've, know. I've made my peace with it, but it yeah. was, it was a little weird when it was, yeah. when it happened, when it came along and when it happened and, but yeah, now, but now I just now now I say it. Now I just say it. You yeah, say it. 50. I'm, I'm 50. Here's what I like to do when people ask me how old I am. I tell them I'm like 74 and they go, oh my God, you look amazing. I go, Thanks. I, I feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Warren Zevon. Yeah. The, now the first album, Wanted Dead or Alive, came out in 1969. Yep. And I always forget that this album even exists because I really don't know much about this album. And this was released on... Liberty record and because it's it's there's so many years between this album and the next album it's right. like uh it's like seven years yeah so what I don't know if you can refresh you can tell us what happened why why did he record an album in 69 and then wait so long to record another album do you yeah. know well and he actually uh and I I he he actually had some music that even predated his first album um he was working as a songwriter in LA and um got hooked up with this guy named Bones Howe, who's a, was a big producer in the late sixties. He produced, um, uh, the turtles and the association and, you know, some of those kind of pop groups yeah, in the sixties, big, big hits. And, um, he actually, he wrote, um, the B side of, uh, happy together by the turtles. Um, it was called outside chance and it was written by Warren Zevon. So wow. right out of the bat, he's what, 22 years old and he's already getting, you know, that mailbox money from a, from a B side of a, of a number one hit. Um, and so he, um, forms, uh, a duo. This is like another sort of quirky thing from him right from the bat. He, he's in a duo with a, uh, with a woman and the, the group's called Lime and Sabel. And he, uh, called himself Stephen Lime. L Y M E as a pseudonym. It seems so un, it seems so not something Warren Zevon would do. Like after you know him later or think you know him, his persona doesn't seem like some phony thing he would do. Yeah. And it's the whole thing's it's sort of like he insisted it be spelled all lowercase letters and Oh boy. Um, but there's a couple, uh, so anyway, after he died, some of these recordings got repackaged and put into um, a record called The First Sessions. And there's, there's one song um, I brought, this sort of, this is, this is like his introduction in, as a recording artist, was this duo called Lime and Sabelle. And they had this song called Follow Me um, from 1967, 68. And tell me where to cue this one, because th- uh, there's like, there's four songs that I, I don't have queued up. And okay. Don't ask me why. Yeah. All right. So this one I uh, have queued at like 27 seconds in. All right. And he's, uh, he's, he's got, a, got like a, a cowboy hat on the cover and yep. some sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And this song is called Follow Me. Follow Me. All right. Here we go. Let's, let's do it up. The, uh, that's the classic Warren Zevon sound. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we all know and love. Yeah. So you know, very. That's that's so that's so sixties. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, 
Um, and you know, not not successful, but from that he that wasn't successful, no. Kevin. Is that what you're telling me? No. That wasn't a huge hit. Yeah, well, I mean, he had that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess the, the 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 guys from the Turtles liked him, and yeah. you know, recorded some of his stuff, and and uh, I guess he had enough success from uh, from a songwriting standpoint that he. You know, he signed this deal with, uh, it was actually with Kim, Fo- uh, Kim Foley, Foley, Fowley, Fowley. Kim Fowley, uh, was his first, um, sort of manager producer. Wow. Look at that. Um, from the best known for handling the runaways. Right. Um, and, uh, they had a complete falling out during the production of this first record. And so Zivon ends up producing it himself, um, which you can sort of tell cause it's, um, it's not good. And you're talking about Wanted Dead or Alive. Wanted Dead or Alive. All right. And you you only have one song. I only picked I only picked one. It's 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 tough. There's there's really not um well, well, yeah. We'll hear this one and Let me go first cuz yeah, I have two. I picked two. Oh wow. Okay. So not because I wanted to, it's because I thought we were picking two off each. So I so I'll play one then you play one then I'll play one. Okay. Other one. Sounds right. good. Well, I just went with the uh, I went with the title track cuz I did like this one. And again, I was not familiar with this album uh, in the least until getting ready for this. So thanks, thanks, Kevin. Sure. <laughs> Happy to do it. I am wanted. Those lyrics suck. Holy crap. Yep. That's like lyrics by numbers. <laughs> like I, whenever I hear a song for the first time and I know what like the second, the next line's going to be or the next word, yep. that's weak. How did this guy ever make it? All right. Yeah. And Kevin, you have the song from One of Dead or Alive. You picked a song called Calcutta. Calcutta. Let's hear this. Yeah, the production's weak. Yeah. You can signal me when you want me to turn it down. <laughs> All right, and then the uh, I will before I play my last one. I will tell you what uh, what Jackson Brown said about this album. Jackson Brown said it says sales were poor and critics ignored the album. Jackson Brown later commented, "I don't remember thinking the album was as good as he was," which yeah makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Now I picked this song. This is a this is a cover. This Ico Ico. And I'm like, this is not, doesn't even seem like a song that he would cover. You know what I mean? Do you know what song I'm talking about? I do, yeah. Like Cindy Lauper covered this on her second album. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like Cindy Lauper covering this, but this is weird for me. very strange choice of a, of a cover for this man yeah uh 
Yeah, just uh, you kind of wonder. Um, I don't know. I guess studio time was a lot less expensive back in the late '60s. Mm-hmm. You just sort of wonder, like how a, how a guy, a 22 year old guy who you know had some success as a songwriter, and I guess that you know justifies him getting a deal. But then how he's able to finish the record by firing his manager producer yeah. and doing it himself, and then it actually gets released. And uh, there's another, um, I didn't pick it because I don't think it's, <laughs> I didn't think it was very good. But there's another song, and this is, again, like he, he must have been a really charming guy despite all of his demons because he kept kind of getting, you know, getting access to success. So there's yeah. another song on this record called She Quit Me that was covered for the Midnight Cowboy soundtrack. Oh, wow. Um, so again, he's on, you know, and that, you know, goes probably, you know, gold or uh, it's a big hit record from, you know, best picture of the year. Um, so he's he's obviously living very comfortably, even yeah. though he's he's not been successful yet as a recording artist. So that bombs and he loses that that record deal. And um, he actually takes a job with the Everly Brothers. Right. Um, as their musical director. Wow. And so he's on tour with them for years. But that, and that, but that's a good gig to fall into mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Uh, it's same thing. Like through his connection, somehow he, you know, falls into a gig where he's, um, you know, on tour across Man. America and Europe with, with, you know, rock and roll legends. And we are, our musical director just quit. We really, we, we're, we're getting ready to go over to Europe and do a tour. Yeah. We need someone. Oh man, you should, you should talk to my friend Warren. He, yeah. He'd be great. Right. He's, multi-instrumentalist he's a great songwriter yeah and that and was that's i'm sure that's all it took yeah and he's you know he's a fantastic piano player i think that was probably his first instrument and he you know studied classical piano growing up and so you know as a musician he had that skill and so you know i guess eventually after you know being on tour with them and getting more exposure to mm-hmm. the rest of the record business uh seven years later um you know, he comes out with his uh, self-titled, self-titled, produced by Jackson Brown. Yeah, that's a dream guest. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's my mom's favorite. Yeah, so. I love Jackson Brown. I love a guy that finds a hairstyle and sticks with it. Absolutely, so, and then and, and didn't lose his hair, so he can stick with it. No, no, I saw him in concert uh, like probably a year and a half ago. Still sounds great. Yeah, um, you know, he's rock just, star thin. Got his hair. Yeah. Look, looks great. Sounds great. I never saw him until I moved out here. I've always liked Jackson Brown. I've liked him since uh, f- since the 1980. I've been a fan. Never saw him until I moved out here. And then once I moved out here, I saw him like six times within like a three years span. I was in the front row once at the Orpheum. Oh, wow. Because I just went on to buy a ticket and there was one single seat in the front. I'm like, oh, that's my ticket. Yeah. But yeah, great. Got, got his autograph. Great. I'd love to have him on the show. Yeah. So he's on, right. yeah, he's on Electra Records, which is Jackson Brown's label, yeah. and um, obviously he was, you know, sort of he was kind of his uh, his patron there for a while, getting yeah. him into meeting David Geffen and everyone else in that scene, and yep, all good stuff. Yeah. So what what song do you have off the self titled from 1976 Warren Zevon album? Uh, so the the first one I brought is uh, probably one of my ten favorite songs. Period. Right. Um, just, uh, it's an amazing song. It, it, to me, it's an epic. Um, it's, it's like the Godfather <laughs> on vinyl. It's just an absolutely amazing song. And then to close the circle with the last time I was here, Carl Wilson does uh, backing vocals and vocal arrangements for this album. Um, and this is Desperados Under the Eaves. I was sitting in the Hollywood 
I was staring in my empty coffee cup I was thinking that the gypsy wasn't blind All the salty margaritas in Los Angeles I'm gonna drink them up And if California slides into the ocean Like the mystics and statistics say it will I predict this motel will be standing Until I pay my bill What don't the summer gang Okay I could have just kept listening to it also Oh yeah It's I one mean, of those ones Before we continue I just want to I want to give a rundown here Of some people That are on this album Again this is his second album Mm-hmm. And here's here's all the people that are on this album. Uh, he's got Warren Zevon. Yep. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, Jackson Brown, Lindsey Buckingham, Rosemary Butler, Jorge Calderon, who he works with, mm-hmm. you know, for you know th- his whole career pretty much. Yep. Uh, Phil Everly, Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Bobby Keys, David Lindley, Stevie Nicks, Bonnie Raitt, J.D. Souther, Waddy mm-hmm. Wachtel, and like you said, uh, Carl Wilson. Yep. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, that's crazy. Uh, so my first song that I'll play off, and I love this song, and I love I loved the Linda Ronstadt version, and I, I think they're, I like them equally as good because, because it's just a great song, and this is Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. Probably made some mailbox money off of that one. Oh yeah, when just Linda the, recorded it. Yeah, the difference. I mean, the difference in lyrics between that first album and, and this, this are, yeah. are just amazing. And he, you know, he, um, you know, he always uh, he had a lot of friends who were writers, novelists. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of how you know he was kind of more into uh, people who created literature, maybe even more so than than being around other musicians. And that very much translates to. Uh, to the stuff he wrote. Yeah, Linda Ronstadt actually titled one of her albums Hasten Down the Wind. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Talk about, you know, making, uh, kind of helping him get started. I mean, she had a big, uh, a big part of that. And this, would, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in LA during that scene when you had your, yeah, Joni Mitchell and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Jackson Brown and, Henley and Felder when they were hopefully not assholes and <laughs> Linda Ronstadt and just all these, you know, all these people. So, I mean, this, I mean, that feels like a biopic of some sort, you know, yeah. Of, with all these, this California sound, this Laurel Canyon sound and it's great stuff. Yeah. I, I really like it. Really good. I don't know how from my small, uh, upbringing, small town, Pennsylvania that I got, hooked into this California sound stuff. I always liked this stuff. Crazy. Yeah. 
That was just the, the same for me. I, you know, maybe it's, um, well, my parents were big music fans. So See, they, mine, mine they, they, they had like, they'd listen like Lynn Anderson. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I never <laughs> promised you a Rose Garden right. or my, they might have had a Johnny Cash album, but they, they were not big, not music people at all. Yeah. Like not at all. Yeah. No, my, uh, I, you know, my mom's favorite artist is Jackson Brown. Uh, my, you know, dad's a big Eagles fan used yeah. to, you know, he'd play Eagle songs on his guitar and, you know, when I was young and, you know, my mom took me to see Kiss when I was, uh, 10 years old. The best. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, was that the dynasty tour? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was your first concert. Uh, the first one I remember, I probably saw, I don't know, something else, but the first like yeah, that was rock concert that I remember Dynasty going tour. to. So many people our age were close, you know, in the same yeah. decade or whatever. Dynasty tour was everyone's first concert that yeah. I know. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And, my, and my mom took me. And, and <laughs> when I, from what I read about the Dynasty tour is those shows weren't good. Like when I read documents about it, it's like, oh yeah, the, the, the shows weren't good. Yeah. I'm like, mm. well then all the trickery... <laughs> Right. Led me to believe as a teenager that I saw the best show ever. I mean, I was 10 years old. I wouldn't have known any different. No, you wouldn't have known. Yeah. <laughs> All I know exactly. is I saw four guys up there with the makeup on. The makeup and, on. Yeah. Spitting blood and yeah. shooting fireworks could've been other ass. Could have been other guys. Could have been. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have cared. It, it soon will be. No, that's right. <laughs> All right. What's your next song? You have three songs off this album. I have three. Well, I, 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 you know, so I, I picked a couple extra songs just in case we had overlap. We did cross. Uh, oh, I, I knew what your songs were, so I. I didn't pick those. Oh, well, we don't we don't have to do three from every. Okay, that, that seems like a. What lot. do you want to do next? Actually, my third my third one from this one I think is probably a good play out song, so we can save that for later, um, if you want. But I, uh, so my second one is uh, it's called "Backs Turned." Okay, looking down the path. All right, here we go. <laughs> Jackson on that? Yep. I mean, 76, Jackson Brown's a relatively new artist in his own right, too. I mean, he's, you know, he's been around for a few years, has maybe three albums under his belt. Yeah, this is, um, you know, this is before The Pretender comes out, yeah. which is probably, you know, the one. I mean, people knew Take It Easy and... yeah. Um, but and, yeah, uh, Pretender's the friend and mm -hmm. Doctor My Eyes, right? Yeah. But Pretender's really the one that probably pushed him into a, a different level, yeah. And then running on empty, so yeah. But he's you know firmly entrenched in the scene. And then the uh, uh, Lindsey Buckingham is uh, you know playing the guitar lick there on the, and I just Lindsey Buckingham to me is one of the best guitarists. Well, he absolutely is. He's he's uh, and I feel I feel he's underrated. I agree until you see him play live yeah. and then you go, Oh yeah, that guy's the best I've ever seen. Yeah. He's With the picking on everywhere. Everything's picking. 
Yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, it's everything is, is, uh, fingers and the stuff he, it's just, he's, uh, I'm, I'm team Lindsay. I wonder how he's doing. I wonder how he's doing right now. Health yeah, wise. I, he I just was, turned 70. I think this, this week, the week of this record. Right. And he had a, was it a, was it a heart thing something maybe about a year ago? It was a heart thing. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, even kind of concerned that whatever treatment he had to do was going to have an effect on his voice. On his voice. Um, which, and he's a great vocalist and too. He's, he's a great vocalist. Um, so yeah, who knows? I mean, he sort of, you know, he's not in his band anymore. And mm-hmm. um, I got to be honest, I that might have saved his life because if he would have, if this would have happened to him out on the road, who, you know what I mean? Yeah, he was at least home. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, a good point. It's weird, I hadn't thought but, about that. Yeah, it's weird, but um, uh, okay. So yeah. my next song off of the self-titled Warren Zevon album, produced by Jackson Brown, is "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead." drugs in the studio when this was being recorded oh i don't do they allow drugs in the studio i don't think so i no. think the record label would clamp down on yeah. something like that it must be a security guard at the door and searching everyone's pockets before they go in yep his songs are very eerie lyrically when you know how young that he died and everything it's yeah. kind of and it gets yeah it'll get even more so the yes, closer we get it's like he knew something was coming all right moving on we're moving on to what is his most popular album, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yes. This is Excitable Boy from 1978. This went platinum. Yep. Uh, co-produced by Jackson Brown and Wadi Wachtel. Uh, Warren Zevon also kind of, for, for a solo artist, he has a logo. Like he has, there's a font that they use on like the first, uh, like from... The self-titled through yeah, I think maybe it's the f- first four. I think it's the ones when he's on Electra. Yeah, 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 yeah. They use the same. Yeah. They they knew how to brand them. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Too. Actually, I literally noticed yeah. that the other day when I was looking at the that he sort of had a logo. He had a font. If we're talking about album covers, this is not a great album cover. No, like the the self-titled one's a cool picture. Very of cool. Him. This one, like, it just it's just a picture. I mean, I don't know if they were trying to make him look like a you know, a pinup or what they were doing. Like, I feel like he should have had like, um, maybe like a fang sticking out of, cause it's excitable boy right. and werewolves of London. Yeah. I feel, but I, but I also feel like he's a guy that would have said, I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah. I could, I could, I could definitely see yeah. that. This one. Yeah. It sort of looks this like, covers, uh, well, this like not a great cover. It's just, a, I don't know. No, it's like, it's like he went into one of those photo booths on the boardwalk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I always want to know like, who's like, he saw this and, and, and he signed off on it, I assume. Yeah. Or, or he didn't see it and didn't care or was, you know, too drunk to, <laughs> too drunk to, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a, it was, this was hard to pick songs off this because oh, yeah? there's so many, well, cause oh, there's so many good oh, ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I meant. Agreed. Yeah. So what do you got for us from excitable boy? Uh, so I, uh, my first one is accidentally like a martyr. All right. Production's even better on this album than the last album. The days slide by. Should have done, 
should have done, we all sighed. Never thought I'd ever be so lonely after such a long, long time. Time out of mind. We made mad love, shadow love, random love, and abandoned love. Accidentally, like a martyr. So great. It sounds really good in the headphones. It really the, does. The harmonies and uh, yeah, the, produc- can, the production's really well done. Yeah, you can hear, again, it's stupid to say, but you can hear things in the headphones that you don't normally, your ear doesn't pick up. Yeah. And Plus, he, these are also noise canceling, so we're not hearing anything that's in the room, no room noise or anything. Right. But um, he just has a murderer's row of musicians playing with them too. Like they're just all solid players and it just sounds so good together. It's amazing. It was your podcast where I didn't have my noise canceling turned on. Right. Oh, is that right? And I thought it sounded terrible. And I was just like, I think I stopped us and I I said, I'm afraid the longer we get in here, something's wrong. I can't. And then I figured out, oh, because if you turn those off right now, you'll hear that it does not sound as good it doesn't right. it sounds different and i'm always used to it like this yeah. this is boring for people listening but who cares yeah that's all right um <laughs> let me just tell you who's on this album before i play uh, my song we got uh we got uh, jorge calderon uh we got uh, danny cooch cooch Kuchmar, russ kunkel carla bonoff jackson brown uh who else jeff Picaro, lind ronsat leland sklar jd salver wadi wachtel jennifer warrens and uh, I did not realize that the rhythm section on what is his most popular song or most famous song is Werewolves in London. The rhythm section on this song is Mick Fleetwood and John McVie. Yep. I had no idea. If I did know it, I forgot about it. Streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Leho Fuchs Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein Yeah, the Fleetwood Mac rhythm section on that yeah. song That song's a... L- it's a little overplayed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Classic rock radio stations. Um, you don't have to play just the one song from... You don't have to play the artist's most popular song every right. time. Right. Like, I love Cheap Trick, but man, it's I Want You to Want Me and Surrender. Literally, that's it. Maybe you might get Dream Police, but right. really, that's all you're going to get. There's a station out here, 885 it's uh, it's more like a um, independent rock station, and they play everything. Like they play, there'll be like a deep Thin Lizzy album cut, and then they'll play, you know, a Joni Mitchell song. I mean, it's all it's all over the map too. But it's so refreshing. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and that and that is that's a great song. And the, and the lyrics are 
hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they are deeply cynical and hilarious. Um, and, and he had a knack, and we'll, we'll hear more of this as we, as we go along, he had a knack of writing these really dark lyrics mm-hmm. with a really like bright kind of poppy yeah. sound yep. that kind of masks the fact that he's... You know, he's talking, miserable. He's miserable. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one that... Uh, I, I could take a couple years off without hearing. I know, yeah. I know, but <laughs> but, the, but it but you it's, but you, you yeah. can't really avoid it on a if show you, like this. Yeah, you can't, if you're right, you know, it's like well, yeah. Well, well other artists have a lot more hits, but that's that's like his biggest deal. That, that's the one, not his yeah. best, but it's. I mean, I like songs on this album way better than that song. Way better. Yeah. But you can, I mean, it's it's obviously it's very radio friendly, right. so I can kind of see how. Yeah how it happened that way. It mm-hmm. went, uh, it's number 21. It's his biggest hit. Yeah. Um, the album, he know. could never, he could never play live and not play it. Yeah. And I would, I would assume he always played it. Yeah. You know, he always went into it. It's yeah. And it's, yet he seems like he would be a guy that might be like, I'm not fucking playing that tonight. Yeah. But he did. Yeah. He had to, yeah. you don't, you can't piss the people off that much. No. <laughs> uh, what is your, uh, what's your next song? You have two, but what, what are you going to choose? I'm excited to find out. Uh, oh, this is, this is a tough one. Oh, it's like a Sophie's choice with these two. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play the, uh, the second of the two, right. um, which is Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. His comrades fought beside him, Van Owen and the rest. But of all the Thompson gunners, Roland was the best. So the CIA decided they wanted Roland dead. That son of a bitch, Van Owen, blew off Roland's head. Stalking through the night In the muzzle flash Of Roland's Thompson gun in the This album clocks in at just 31 minutes and 29 seconds Yeah, and it's, I mean It's, it's all good, it's, no filler It's all good, and you know, if you're still looking uh, For a Halloween costume in a few weeks You could go as a werewolf of London You could go as an excitable boy Or you could, you could. go as Roland the Headless Thompson you Gunner could. <laughs> see, I have, see, my next two are, are, I know I've played, I know I've played both of these on the show before. I guess it's either Lawyers, Guns, and Money. I'm going to play Excitable Boy. All right. I'm going to play that one. I love them both. It's real, so tough. Well, he went down to dinner in his Sunday best. Excitable Boy, they all said. And he popped the pot roast all over his chest Excitable boy, they all said Well, he's just an excitable boy He took in the 4 a.m. show at the Clark Excitable boy, they all said And he bit the usherette's leg in the dark Excitable boy, they all said Well, he's just an That's got to be Linda Ronstadt on that. 
Yeah, if there were uh, if they were making videos back then, that would have been a. I mean, it would have been right on the nose. They, they would have just filmed exactly what the lyrics were, but that would have been a fun video, right? When apparently that's a true story. He really did rub a pot roast all over his chest at a Sunday dinner. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know that he uh, built a, a cage out of anyone's bones, but at least that part. Of the... <laughs> you never know. Hey, you never know. <laughs> well, you're reading the book. You you'll find out. Yeah. I haven't gotten to the end, and so don't give away uh, the ending. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it must be it must be weird to have an album that goes to number eight and goes platinum, and then your next album doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. That must be like because at this point he thinks, "Here we go." Right. This is. I mean, this is the. He thinks he's on the roller coaster, but he doesn't think that's. He's not at the top yet. He's. Let's keep going. Yeah. And yet. I mean, this, bad bad luck streak in dancing school. You think a title like that hurts the album? It doesn't flow off the tongue. Yeah, and it's uh, the you know, I like the cover of this album. I do too. too but it, I could see this being you know after having two albums where it's his face, you know, just it's the artist kind of front and center, and then you've got this you know much more artistic kind of. Um, so he you know it's him standing in a ballet studio surrounded by ballerinas and um so it's a great album cover but i could see that being like oh what the you know is this going to be is this classical music <laughs> right <laughs> right it's uh yeah i do like the album cover too it's pretty like yeah i, I like this album cover better than excitable boy yeah and it's just goes, the name excitable boy there's so much you could do with yeah. that, that title yeah i think that's probably a, a function of the times somewhat you know the late 70s just not being as much uh uh, I don't know. I guess he could have, you know, hooked up with the guys from Hypno- Hypnosis and done right. something really cool. But <laughs> also, that Excitable Boy could have almost been named after anyone. That album could have been called Werewolves of London. That's a cool album title. Lawyers, Guns, and Money is a cool album title. Yeah. Uh, Accidental Like a Martyr is a cool album. Johnny Strikes Up the Band's a cool album title. It could yeah. be almost any of those could have been the choice. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how he but came up did. with that one. So, Bad Luck Streak in Dancing School. What do you got for us? Uh, so my first one, he, uh, he co-wrote with, uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, and it's, uh, called Jeannie Needs a Shooter. I was born down by the river where the dirty water flows and the cold wind cut through me. It cut right through my clothes and the anger and the yearning like fever in my veins. Set the fire burning She came down from night's town With her hands hard from the line From the first time I laid eyes on her I knew that she'd be mine Her father was a lawman He swore it shoot me dead As he knew I wanted Jeannie And I'd have her like I said Jeannie needs a shooter Shooter like me Jeannie needs a shooter Jeannie needs a wonder, shooter I wonder, if, did Bruce ever record a version of this? I, I haven't heard it if he did And it's interesting because it doesn't It doesn't really sound like a Springsteen song it, No, it doesn't So I'm, I'm kind of curious what And it's, they don't really touch on it in the book So I'm, I'm kind of curious what What I just, he I just contributed came up, I, the girl was originally named Karen or Mary. And I said, <laughs> let, 
That should be Genie. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, and I was looking to see if Bruce even uh, played on the album, but he didn't. Yeah. But we got, I got to run through it again because there's so many people. Oh, by the way, the album cover was done by Jimmy Wachtel, who is Waddy Wachtel's yes, that's older right. brother. So, I read that in the book. Yep. Uh, so we got Jackson Brown's here again, Don Felder, Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Linda Ronstadt, Leland Sklar, J.D. Souther, Waddy Wachtel. You know, the same, you know, the same cast of characters, but I mean, those are the top people of the time. You can get in the studio with these people. It's, it feels like people, it was like a big family back then. Like, uh, yeah. hey, do you think Linda would come down? Yeah, sure. Like, I don't think, it wasn't like my people would talk to you, your people. I think they would like call each other. Linda, would you mind coming down yeah. and singing? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they were just all, you know, hanging out with each other at night and going, to, you know, playing together yeah. and different. Like real musicians, real artists, real, yeah. a real like they, they wanted everyone I feel like they all wanted everyone to succeed. Anyone that was in their in their little circle, they right. wanted everyone success for everyone. Yep. Uh, what was my first song I picked? Oh, I love this song so much, and I just discovered this song. I don't know, you know, within the last ten years, and I just like, and it's a cover song, and it's from this album. It's called "A Certain Girl." I love it. was his second highest charting single yeah and at, at number 57 yeah and the last the last time he was ever on the hot 100 yep his last hit single that was it and there's tons more albums to come there's, <laughs> but, yeah i mean but he, sorry we're done with you yeah and so and and tons of great songs we're gonna hear yeah. and yeah um, but he's just for whatever reason just never clicked with uh you know with program directors and radio stations and and it's tough because he's just you know he's not i mean he's not ugly but he's not a great looking guy you know yeah. what i mean he doesn't have doesn't look like jackson brown he doesn't right. look i mean the eagles in the 70s they look like they look badass with the big mustaches and right. the long hair and the and i just don't know where he fits into some of that you know what i mean yeah sort of a little nerdy with like you the know, glasses glasses and the curly blonde hair yeah. and uh, but he and the bad skin, he has bad skin, really bad skin. Yeah. Um, but you watch, uh, you know, if you go by, back and watch YouTube videos of some of his live performances from that era, charismatic is absolutely charismatic. Like an amazing, it would have been so great to have seen him back mm -hmm. then. And, and he had just the best yeah. musicians with him, and it just must have been such a great show. And then Elton John's not a good looking guy either, but the songs are so. Um, I'm not saying they're bad, I mean, they're amazing, yeah, they're hits, right. Elton John songs are hits, so yes. people were going to get by how he looks. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, what's your next tune? You got two here. What are you going to pick? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take the first one. So uh, Joe Walsh plays guitar on this one. It's called Jungle Work. Die. Stand gun in hand. Where the 
So funny going in, into the song. Once you told me it, uh, Joe Walsh's own lead guitar, it, it's definitely Joe Walsh. Like yep. you can you can hear it. Yes, he also played lead on uh, the other song you played. Gene, uh, yeah, Gene needs a shooter. But man, yeah, I could really tell that's Joe Walsh on that one. Yeah, and uh, Jorge Calderon co-wrote that one. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, they were and and he's not someone that ever. He doesn't really have a career outside of his collaboration with Warren Zevon. I think he's maybe put out some stuff, but uh, he's on a lot of like. These people's album, right. Jackson Brown stuff, all that you know. He's probably on some J.D. Souther albums. He's one of their their guys. He's like, yeah, kind of in that mix. I, I guess you could make a living from that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he has. Um, but uh, the book the book goes into a lot of detail about their relationship. Mm-hmm. They really um, thought of each other as brothers, and that's good. Um, he was one of the first people um, that Warren called when he found out that he was sick, and one of the first people that uh, you know was with him when he passed. So, yeah. um, so that's yeah. good that he had a, that strong relationship. He did. Life. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, that's sort of the, you know, as, as bad of a guy as he was, and he, you know, was an addict in every sense of the word and, you know, chased a lot of people away and, you know, hit women and, you know, yeah. not, this is not a, not a good guy. And like I said, he did clean himself up and, and sort of mended relationships and ended up having a good uh, relationship with his kids, et cetera. How was um, he early in, in with the kids? Just not around, probably. Not around. Yeah, his uh, you know his his son was you know from a, a relationship when he was young, and uh, and then had had the daughter with the one woman he was married to. Yeah. But he was very much you know an absent father. And then even when he was around, he usually was you know drunk or high on something. Yeah. And uh, but eventually, you know, he mended those fences. And I think like a lot of addicts do, he committed to a program and made amends and. Um, you know, tried to, you know, tried to live the right way there towards the end. Um, I don't know how I feel all the time about bad guys getting a pass eventually. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I understand. Like, you know, he went, he, you know, he cleans himself up and then he, then he has a relationship with the kids and the kids accept them. But if the kids would have said, fuck that guy, I would have been okay with that too. You know what I mean? I think, and I think he would have been too. You Mm kind of get, I think he, uh, you know, the, the the book's really it it's incredible that it really is a warts and all yeah. uh, uh, portrayal of him and that that's the way he wanted it to be he just he didn't want to have any he wanted to be completely transparent with people of like what sort of person he was and I yeah I think he would have been fine with that I think he felt like what he needed to do was make amends and try yeah. to do the right thing and if that wasn't accepted then he would understand why that was the case and luckily they yeah. were you know for him they were uh, they were on board with it and. Yeah. I think stereotypically in, in, a, in the family unit, when, when there's um, absentee parents, it's always the guy, though. It's always the dad. Like, there's so many of these bad dudes out there that make good dads like you and I. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of pisses me off. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I hate the stereotype, too, of like, uh, like um, 
where are the kids? Oh, they're, 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 Pat's going to keep them for the week. Really? Can he do, you know what I mean? Like, like that thing, like right. the, the dad can't do, Oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. Oh, you're babysitting tonight. No, oh, no. my <laughs> God. When, when someone says they're babysitting their own kid, yeah. I want to kick that guy in the dick. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst. Yeah. But, you know, then in movies, it's like the dad has to change the diaper and he's holding the baby over the sink and hosing his butt down with this. It's like, come on. Wait, that's not what you do? Is that um, how you do it? Yeah. I mean, that's... Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Hmm. I don't know. We okay, should... we'll talk afterwards. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, my kids are out of diapers anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's they right. Got, they had through it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, my second song off of Bad Luck Streak in Dancing School, which does not flow off the tongue, that title, uh, is Play It All Night Long. Grandpa pissed his pants again. He don't give a damn. See, a bad guy. Yeah. Brother Billy has both guns drawn. He ain't been right since Vietnam. Sweet home Alabama, play that dead band song. Turn those speakers up full blast. Play it all night long. Now, how are you with this album as an album? It's um, it's sort of in the middle for me, you know. Yeah. If I, you know, if I'm looking at them in order, it, it kind of falls in the middle. There's there's some strong there's some strong tracks on there, but it it, it doesn't hold together as well right. as, as the first two. Like as much as I love a certain girl, it doesn't. The rest of it's just okay with me. Yeah. I actually like the next album a lot better. I do too. And this is uh. This album wasn't really well received. No, and I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't even remember it coming out. I do. You know, what's funny is I like, and I didn't. I wasn't a Warren Zevon fan in, in this time period when I was in high school. This would have been when I was a senior in high school, mm -hmm. uh, 1982. But I remember seeing this album. And I think I remember reading in Rolling Stone. I just remember that it didn't do well. I just, I don't know why I knew that, but I did at the time. Yeah. So I've always been fascinated with wanting to hear this album because when an album doesn't do well it in my head i think oh this must be uh, crap yeah and i yeah but so I think I, it's really good and i love the album cover it's great as a great album cover it really yeah for you know for for uh still on electra still yeah. on a major label yep but really kind of fell under the radar and i think a lot of it was because at this point he was deep deep into drugs alcohol you know, not dependable, not showing up for stuff and was losing the support of, you know, a lot of his friends and the yeah. record company. And so I think it just sort of, they, they put it out and ignored it from a promotional standpoint. And what do you got? What are you going to kick off? The, the, the album is called the envoy, the envoy. Um, yes. And, uh, mine, uh, my first one is, uh, the overdraft. Here we go. Sleeps on the yellow line, no one's that alone. Someone's in the window, so don't try to use the phone. We're just up against it, we're turned up in the zone. But if you ever get an overdraft, you'll never make it home. If I can say so, I can't let go, and I don't take no for an answer. 
Solid rock song. Yeah. And this, uh, again, loaded up, loaded up with people in this album. The core band on this is Warren Zevon, Waddy Wachtel, a guy named David Landau, and then Leland Sklar, Sklar and Jeff Picaro. And then the additional personnel, again, Don Henley, Lindsey Buckingham, uh, Jordan Zevon, a uh, friend of the show, Steve Lukather, Jorge Calderon, uh, Cooch, uh, J.D. Souther, and Graham Nash, and Russ Kunkel. I mean, it's nuts crazy i love it yeah we'll probably start we'll probably stop seeing some of those names soon (laughs) (laughs) yes uh yeah we yeah and it really does like it's like oh where are all the guys yeah it it changes it it's going to change here pretty soon let's go with the title track this is the envoy Also, I wanted to note that uh, at this point on Electra Records, Electra Asylum, he is, um, he's every two years with the album, 76, 78, 80, and then this is, the Envoy is 82. So he's on that uh, two-year cycle, probably with some tours in there. Mm-hmm. And he actually, uh, this was the last record he put out on Electra Asylum, yeah. and he actually found out that he had been dropped by the label uh, he read by it. reading about it in Rolling Stone. <laughs> How bad does that suck? Yeah. That's... <laughs> That sucks. That's not a, that's not cool record label. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean that that's, it's business, right? right. I mean, you know, his album, I mean, he had the one massive album, yeah. you know, and then things start to dip after that. And, you know, they're just like, yeah, you know, this guy. And, and then also you have to, you have to keep in mind at this point, it's 1982, it's MTV, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's not, he doesn't have a face for MTV. No, no, he doesn't. You know, and he probably could have. And there's a lot of, you know, Thomas Dolby didn't have a face for MTV, but true. And even know. even guys of his ilk that did have a face for MTV, like Jackson Brown, th- those videos weren't great. Right. They didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Even if they did make a video. Yeah. So it's you know maybe if he had gotten connected with the right director, stylist, or, you know, stylist or something, could have Derm- done something. Dermatologist. With them. <laughs> right. But his problem was that he was a drunk asshole, and mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I think just people just didn't want to put up with him. Probably anymore. pretty difficult to work with, even on his best day. Maybe yeah. he was probably a little. I like the word cantankerous. Yes. Um, so we do have one crossover. It's um. It's you have two more songs. It's the second of your two. I okay. have so you. You might as well play. Let nothing come between it. Yeah. So when you were going to pick anyway. Uh, yeah, well, you mentioned Steve Lukather, so we'll, we'll uh, play him on guitar here. Here we go. When my mama met my girl, she t- 
took me aside She's a soft-spoken woman But she speaks her mind She said That nothing come between you Come between you. I went to see my friend to ask his advice. He just smiled and said she's good around the eyes. But I'd already made up my mind to let nothing come between us. There are frustrated people in town who might envy us and wanna bring us down. We know they don't really mean any harm But that doesn't mean we've got to let them hang around I mean, after the obvious choice of Excitable Boy, this is the album that I would tell people to go seek out if they've never heard it. Yeah. I, of the ones we've heard so far, yeah. in my opinion. Well, I, th- I think the self-titled one, that, that's probably my favorite overall. Mm-hmm. And, and it's probably skewed because of uh, Desperados and right. Eves being on it. But still... Um, but yeah, I think this is, um, it's a lost classic. For it sure. is. It is. For it's, sure. it's very accessible mm-hmm. and uh, you can hear it. You can hear in the songs we're playing. And this is, uh, this is, we both had picked this one. This is looking for the next best thing. I worked hard, but not for the money. I did my best to please. I used to think it was funny till I be Don Quixote had his windmills Ponce de Leon took his cruise Took Sinbad seven voyages To see that it was all a ruse I think the label really dropped the ball here. They might have had a, a, a breakout hit here. I don't know what, uh, but again, like you said, maybe he wasn't in the greatest shape at this point. Yeah, it's. So- I mean, it sounds very contemporary. It does for its time. Yeah. You know, the like you know, he sort of dialed up the synthesizers. Mm-hmm. A lot of these yep. songs feel radio friendly. Um, you know, Graham yeah. Nash, great. You know. Uh, background vocals in that song yeah. like it just you know they they sound really good so yeah, yeah i think you're right think- he's taking a cue you know it's 1982 he's taking a cue from you know what jackson brown was doing too with like lawyers in love and mm-hmm. those type of songs right. so they were those guys were like well we need to change it up a little bit if we want to get some radio play or whatever but yeah so I, it, it has to be it has to be you know a personality driven yeah. i think they just were sort of done with them and yeah they they probably missed out on uh, what could have been a much bigger record now I know uh, I know you're reading uh, this book right now. Have you read Steve Lukather's book? No. I would I highly recommend it. The Gospel According to Luke. Okay. And it's uh, it's one of those books like um, where when you read it you go, yo, this guy really wrote this, but he wrote this. He really did. Yep. Or someone was transcribing him word for word, telling these stories because it sounds exactly the way he talks, and he doesn't. Um, 
And he he's, doesn't sugarcoat anything either. Good. And he's, uh, and what great, and he's, it has like, I don't think it's, because I don't even think he knows all the things he's played on, but in the back of the book, it has his discography of all the other albums that he's played on. He played on everything. Yeah. I mean, he's only on one song on this, but boom, there's another. He played with Warren Zevon. He played with, I mean, so many people. Yeah, and didn't he? I mean, he was a teenager, right, when he started. I think he's like more, 17 or more 18. More or less, yeah. He played, like, he played like the crappiest guitar from like age 12 to like 17, and then his parents were finally like, well, I guess this is a real thing. He's right. he stuck with it f- <laughs> for five years playing that crappy guitar, and they get him. Then they finally get him his like first good guitar. Right. And um, yeah, it's a great book, Gospel According to Luke. All right. Have you ever won a prize through Rock Solid? Um, I've won a couple CDs. Yeah. Do you uh, do you enter all the time? I don't enter all the time. I um, if there's something you yeah, would I like, pick, I, yeah, I pick and choose. There's there's you know been some I've entered and. Um, that I, yeah, but I kind of pick and choose based on what the prize is. Right. Yeah. Uh, at the time of this record coming up, I've got Nick Lowe books. I've got Debbie Harry books, Elton John books and Liz Vare books. Yeah. Those are, those are all ones that I'll enter. Yeah. And yeah. those are, those are all, all those books are being released or I think Debbie Harry's just came out. Uh, Nick Lowe's came out. Uh, Liz Fair's did not come out yet, but I, I got them, but I want to have her all, I'm trying desperately to get yeah, it Yeah, she would be great. Because I want her to sign this. Yeah, for the people. Yeah. It's more fun. Uh, okay, we get uh, five years yeah, between f- albums. Five years where he's getting clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and also five years where he's trying to get another record deal. And he does. And he does. Virgin, uh, that's no slouch. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still still on a big time label. And um, The album cover's kind of cool. He looks cool on it. He looks healthy. Yeah. And, and there were, I, I do remember videos. I remember videos being done for this album mm-hmm. and they, they were good. And so I think the, the record company was, was really pushing for this to, um, you know, to, to hit. And one of the producers on this is Andrew Slater, who worked, uh, I think he eventually, he's the one that produced the first couple, uh, Fiona Apple albums, I believe. Yeah. He ended up, um, and ended up being president of uh, Capitol Records. So yeah. he's definitely been a big, and then, uh, Nico Bolas, who, um, you know, Neil Young is probably mm-hmm. the biggest yep. name that, that, uh, he's worked with. Uh, and I've seen his names on Jackson Brown albums mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yep. It's, again, it's all, it's all the same people. Let me see who's on this. We got, uh, and we got REM. We got REM. Got REM. <laughs> Bill Barry, Peter Buck, Mike Mills, uh, Jorge Calderon, Mike Campbell of the Heartbreakers, mm-hmm. Bob Dylan. Yep. Harmonica on a song. Flea. Yeah. Uh, Don Henley. Uh, Tony, uh, I don't know if it's Levin or Levine. Bass player. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not sure. Uh, whatever. Was, Either yep. one. Levin sounds if good. If you know, please at me. Uh, David Lindley, Stan Lynch. Brian Setzer, Leland Sklar, Michael Stipe is on here too. Yeah. yeah, the whole band's on. Yeah. Wadi Wachtel, Jennifer Warrens, Neil Young. Neil Young. It's crazy. Yep. This is, this is one of my favorites of his. Uh, I think really, you know, as a... Sentimental hygiene. Yeah. As a quote-unquote comeback album, um, it, I, I think it really delivered. He did it. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's your first one? So my first one, uh, if you remember the, uh, the TV show Action, that starred Jay Moore as a... As a Hollywood agent, this was actually the theme song of the show. Eliana Douglas, mm-hmm. and Buddy Hackett. <laughs> yes, that's, right. That's right. Never, never saw one second of the show. 
I know all that information. That's amazing. I did. I don't. I may have watched one or two episodes. Mm -hmm. I it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a, uh, a regular viewing habit. But this uh, this was written by uh, Barry Buck Mills and Zevon. It's called "Even a Dog Can Shake Hands." a guy that had to have made most of his money touring right because he didn't sell albums so i mean right so he probably wasn't given a, a huge advance to make these albums because they knew that it might not they might not recoup the money yeah there's a lot of talk in the book about you know debt he was in mm -hmm. and um you know how he was i mean uh, from a as a songwriter you know, I think the Linda Ronstadt sure. covers yes, alone. Yes, those would have been uh, big. You know, I think we're kind of keeping keeping things going. And Linda and, Ronstadt kept a lot of those guys going, like J.D. Souther. Yep. Who those guys that they recorded albums, but nothing was happening with those. Right. But, you know, since Linda recorded, there's she recorded a ton of Elvis Costello songs too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, he didn't need the money, but no. And I, you know, <laughs> so I think between, between that and, you know, excitable yeah. boy, um, the, that was kind of keeping him, you know, afloat. And then, yeah, the touring and, and, you know, by later in his career, he was, you know, he was playing, you know, college halls mm -hmm. and, you know, he wasn't really doing arenas anymore. Right. Um, but he did, you know, he did get on a couple of big tours every now and then where he'd be the opener for, you know, maybe Jackson Brown would have him out. Yeah, yeah, that seems opener, like, like a, he, a double bill that would happen a lot. Yeah, they, you know, I think he would, would sort of tap into longstanding friendships and, you know, people would throw him a bone now and then. But As uh, long as he could keep it together. And not, yeah, and at this point he was, yes. more or less. Like he was still cynical, uh, still bitter. This, that song, <laughs> that song's very bitter Yeah, um, about the record business. Um, but, you know, he was, uh, he was clean and sober at this point. All right, the first song I have off of Sentimental Hygiene is The Factory. Bob Dylan on harmonica. Yep. How can you tell if a guy's a good harmonica player? <laughs> it always just sounds the same to me. 
It does. I, they're not. It's not really distinct. I don't know. Stevie Wonder sounds distinct. Okay, but then everybody I'll give else. You that. Everybody else kind of does sound the same. You're just blowing and sucking and blowing. Yeah. And sucking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best way to describe it. <laughs> Children. Uh, what do you got next? You got. There's two here. Yeah, there's Which always going to do. Always, why did I do this to myself? Because now, now I've got to make this uh, big. I keep telling everyone the co-host. I'm like, don't be concerned with what I might pick, because right. look, if we both pick the same song, that just means that's a great song. Fair enough. And how many times is it really going to happen? You know what I mean? Like it only happened once on your list and my list. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Um, it's tough though, right? These it, are both great songs. It is tough. These are really good. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the next one. Uh, Boom Boom Mancini. That sounds like a boxer's name. Hmm. hmm. What do you think? Let's try it. When Alexis Arquil gave Boom Boom a beating, seven weeks later he was back in the ring. Can't take the punches, it don't mean a thing. So hurry home early, hurry on home. Boom boom and she's fighting Bobby Chocone. Hurry home early, hurry on home. Boom boom and she's fighting Bobby Chocone. I'm also going to say there's something to be said back in the day when albums had 10 songs. You know, now when it's like, you know, 15, 18, or, you know, especially someone who doesn't put out an album for a couple years and then they'll drop like 16 songs. Yep. And it's like, it's rare that that's, that it's 16 songs good. Usually I'll go, lose about six of these songs, you have a dynamite album. Yeah, and that's what we say in the record biz: dynamite, dynamite. <laughs> uh, there's yeah, there's uh, um, there's a piece in the book where um, he had just signed with one of his later labels, mm -hmm. and um, oh no, it was Rhino Records was putting out a compilation. The it's one called Genius, the best of uh, Orn Zevon, and and Rhino's obviously they all, they love having bonus tracks and yeah. like pulling stuff out of the vaults. And right. he said, I don't I don't have anything. Like I literally, my, literally, there's my best work was put out and I didn't make anything else. I yeah. just made, I made the stuff I made and that's it. That's the same with Billy Joel. That's what Billy Joel says. He yeah. says there's no, there's no tracks that aren't, that are in the vault. Yeah. They're not, I mean, there's, there's, there's guys like this and then there's Springsteen who has, when he passes, there's going to be a million songs come out. Oh, Prince. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't always know that all that stuff's worth a listen I mean, even if it's my favorite artist, you know what I mean? Like these, these expansive box sets that come out. Right. Where I usually listen to those bonus tracks once, once. maybe twice. Mm -hmm. The only one that's, I'm burping. The only one that sticks out in my head is there's, a, there's an alternate take of the Fleetwood Mac song, Sarah, which is excellent. And it was on the remastered, whatever, deluxe issue of Tusk. But right. it's, it's amazing. Like I love that. But, you know, bonus tracks, uh, you know, it's got to be. Yeah. I mean, you, right. You feel like the Abbey Road 
reissue just came out, and I, I haven't I haven't heard it yet. But yeah, I, I bought it. I listened to it. But I mean, like you know, take five of come together. Okay. Yeah. Well, if if take five so great, why wasn't that the one they used on the? You know, that's that's my argument for it. Yeah, and that's and that's a band that you know at the end of their career was all about the studio yeah. and being meticulous and and building this yeah. stuff. And that's up. my so, favorite Beatles album. So you'd think I'd be all over it. But. Yeah. But to me, that's a that's a great example of that the best stuff made the album. And mm-hmm. I love the anthologies that came out because that was like a here's a sample of all the other right. things they were yes. working on and as a historical document. But yeah, I don't need I you know the what the white album is the reissue of that's just sort of overwhelming. It's yeah, it, like, it eh. does get it it gets to be too much. And I don't know how I feel about remixing. Because like the new Abbey Road, it's got a, a Giles Martin remix. Like yeah. he remixed it, and I don't know if did the did the band wasn't it mixed the way the band and George Martin wanted it to sound? Yeah, I I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, that's that to me. I I don't know. I guess the the other argument is you know orchestras play Beethoven's Fifth all the time, and they sort of switch things up, and so sure. shouldn't things. Shouldn't music be kind of a, a living, a, a, always evolving? Yeah, sort of a, a living piece of work as opposed to like okay. this is it and it's out. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's, uh, but I, I like the album that yes. already came out. Yes, so. <laughs> and, and plus, I mean, do, do we need to re? Did the Beatles need some cash? Do we need to repackage yeah. everything? I don't know. I mean, how's Ringo doing? <laughs> Ringo releases an album every year. Well, that's it seems, true. And but tours every year. I think they sell as well as Warren Zevon. <laughs> Peace and love. Uh, this is one of my wife's favorite songs, and so that's why I picked this one. Uh, what did my wife call herself when we were eating tonight? She called herself the villain. The villain of the show. Yeah. She thinks she's the villain of the show because I always tell the uh, the UFO story. I go, that doesn't make you the villain of the show. That's just a running comedy gag. <laughs> it's just fun to say, you know. And then when people come on, they're like, oh yeah, they're not very good, are they? That's you know, doesn't make you the villain of the show. Right. But this is a this is a song called Reconsider Me, and we have uh, Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers on guitar on the song. Here we go. If you're all alone and you need someone, call me up and I'll come running. Reconsider me, reconsider me. If it's still the past that makes you doubt, darling, that was then and this is now. A good comeback album, yeah, really strong, yeah. And that that's a that's a song that's clearly written by a recovering addict who's looking to make amends. Yeah, yeah, um, I get it. yeah. That's a gr- that's a great tune that I think really slipped through the cracks. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so the next album coming up, uh, he's still in Virgin mm-hmm. because uh, I think Sentimental Hygiene was a moderate success. Yeah. You know? I think it did maybe better than they anticipated. Yeah, did okay. Having yeah. REM 
on the record helped. Yeah, that helped. Yeah. That helped when you get some some people that are uh, relatively young uh, behind a veteran artist. Yep. It's weird that he's a veteran artist at this point, but when you have a comeback album that kind of says that you're a veteran artist. Right. And he's, yeah, so eight, that came out in 87. He turns 40 that year. Yep. and Yeah. 40. What an old guy. Oof. So this is the album that you, you sent me this one because I was not familiar with Transverse City. And uh, I mean, this, this album cover is kind of nutty. Yeah, it's sort of a, it's kind of a concept album. Um, I didn't delve into it enough to pick up on the concept. So yeah, what, what's it, uh, what's well, the concept? It's sort of, I, you know, I think it's supposed to be, um, you know, I, he was kind of reading some of the, you know, cyberpunk, mm -hmm. William Gibson and those kinds of writers. And okay. so this was supposed to be kind of a, you know, a concept album about, you know, a future dystopia, you know, sort of a okay. world, world gone mad. And, um, the concept holds up pretty well. I actually like, I like this record. What, what did you think of it having not ever come across it before? Um, let me see if I, let me see, let me look at the songs I picked. Cause I don't, I, again, I don't know the titles because I like the songs I, pick, I picked. I, you know, I, I, I listened to it through once, so yep. I don't know if I, you know, I'm not the best on this. I will say I do, if you're trying to like catch the eye of uh, some young folk, I do kind of like this album cover now that I'm looking at it. Yeah. It kind of looks like it would, you know, it definitely would pop out at you more than yep. the Sentimental Hygiene album. And he looks kind of cool on it. The hair, you know, it's long, you know, he, he yeah. looks kind of cool on this Grew album cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look bad. Um, it looks like there's probably some uh, airbrushing on the on the face. Uh, yeah, on the, on the album. <laughs> uh, what song did you pick? Uh, the first one I picked uh, features David Gilmore, so he is still bringing in some heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, like you get a guy like David Gilmore, he he is obviously a fan of Warren Zevon, or he respects the songwriting, or because he's not gonna he's he's not from the L.A. scene, right? You got this guy's got to come in town. Yeah. And, and when this, this came out, right. When Pink Floyd was kind of, you know, having that mm -hmm. comeback with, uh, you know, momentary lapse of yeah. reason and they go out on tour. And, um, so they're, they're sort of hot again. And, uh, so, you know, great. Yeah, exactly. Like he's, he's sort of at a peak point of his yeah. career. Zevon is not. And the fact that they still got together means that he still was garnering a ton of respect. Um, so yeah, this is a, a great tune actually kind of sounds like a, Pink Floyd song, mm -hmm. uh, "Run Straight Down." It even that even the title of the song sounds like it could be a Pink Floyd song. Try 
again, it's just a stellar collection of musicians on this. We got Jorge's back, Mike Campbell, Jack Cassidy from Jefferson Airplane, Chick Corea, Howie Epstein, now playing bass for the Heartbreakers, Jerry Garcia, David Gilmore, Mark Isham is playing some flugelhorn, uh, Yorma, I don't know how to say his last name. He's also from Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. Calconin. Sure. Uh, David Lindley, J.D. Souther, Ben Montench, Wadi Wachtel, Jordan Zivon, Neil Young. I mean, just it's a stellar group of people. Yep. Everyone still wants to uh, be in the studio and see what Warren's working on. Yeah, they're still there. It's a testament. Uh, this song is called from Transverse City Networking. Fun song. I like it. Yep. The lyrics. Yep. It's got that technology mm-hmm. connection. Yep. Sort of fits into the concept. Um, I, uh, let's see, I'll do the second of my, uh, of your three of my three. Well, the, uh, I'll do the third of my three, the then. third of your yes, three, the third of my three, the second of the last two, uh, yeah. that are left. <laughs> Splendid isolation. Splendid isolation. Neil, Neil Young backing them up here. Here we go. Sounds very Springsteen like Jackson in Disneyland. Don't have to share it with nobody else. Lock the gates, goofy, take my hand and lead me through the world of self. Splendid isolation. I don't need no one. Splendid isolation. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's a great song too. Don't want, don't want anybody coming by without calling first. Yeah, I think we all feel that way sometimes. <laughs> Let's. Uh, what is my next one off of Transverse City? Oh, down in the mall. There's a brand new shopping center, seven stories high. There's bound to be a sale or two. There's something we can buy. There's four. Love a song about the mall. 
And he's yeah. buying his Calvin Klein gray t-shirts there too. That's right. Yeah. He, I guess he, he wore like nothing but gray, gray t-shirts, gray pants, gray jackets. And yet he fe- I feel like he's a guy who is black and white. I don't think there was any gray with him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. I think, I think we we're on to something. Yeah. I think we've cracked the code. <laughs> uh, now we're going to talk about the, uh, the super group. Yeah. So this was interesting. Um, so our, you know, REM was his backing band on sentimental hygiene. And I guess as part, part of the sessions for that record, there were a few kind of late night, um, you know, not you know, like just goofing off in the studio kind of things. And then three years later, um, so he's off Virgin records. So transverse city doesn't chart. Yeah. Virgin drops him. Um, he gets signed by giant, which is a, it's a Warner brothers imprint. And, uh, before his next record comes out, they find these sessions of him playing with REM and they just were playing covers, a lot of blues songs, uh, and they put it out under the name Hindu Love Gods. And they did do some shows in that three-year period where they played together and they build themselves as Hindu Love Gods. But then uh, <clears throat> I don't think they expected that this was ever going to be released. Right. Um, but I was in college when this came out, and this this was a big hit on college radio. Did you um, Did you see them? Did you see the Hindu? Uh, Gods? No, never saw. Never saw Zevon in concert at all. Now, what label released this album though? I thought I thought this was on Giant. Was this one on Giant as well? I'm gonna look it up because I don't know. Because I think you'd have thought maybe this would be on REM's label. Yeah, now, well, uh, Giant. It says, uh, yeah, it says Giant. Well, this says Giant reprise Warner Brothers. I don't know if it was all those released it because it was REM on Warner Brothers at that point. Right. Who knows? Yeah. So that yeah. and that may maybe that's how he got um, how he got picked up by by giant being part of Warner brothers. And at this point, um, REM's on Warner. Uh, so yeah, maybe this is, yeah, there's, a, there's actually a band photo on Wikipedia of the, uh, of the, uh, of the four of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, they, you know, I mean, they played shows together. They, I don't yeah. think they ever did an actual tour, but there was definitely a, uh, you know, a fun little side project there for a yeah. while. The guys from REM would only work with singers who had bad complexions. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> so, are we gonna are we gonna do the 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 Prince? Yeah, we'll do the Prince cover. All right, here we go. Prince thought of that. I would think he liked it. It just to me that's such a that's such an indication that that Prince really was a rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a he's not an R and B singer. Yeah, I mean, he certainly did R and B, but I mean, he was a rock star because that song, a rock song, that's a rock song, and uh, that's that's great. That was such a big hit on college radio. 
back then. Just huge. We going to do the other one too? Uh, no, I, I, so I put it on there. This, I'll, this, this will be my David Wilde impression. I'm going to drop a name here. <laughs> so the, the, uh, this is my, uh, this is my one degree of, or two degrees of separation from Warren Zevon. Uh, when I, years ago, when I worked in a record store, I worked with a woman named Grace Anderson, who's married to a guy named Terry Anderson, okay. who wrote this song. Oh, all right. Uh, so I know Terry or knew him. And he wrote this song, and uh, the Georgia Satellites had the original version of it. Battleship, Battleship Chains. Chains. It was on their first record. and We talked about it. we got to play a little bit. Okay, we'll play just a tiny bit what, of it. What's, do you have a cue point? Because this is the other song oh, that the I other one. queued up. Uh, oh, right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. Oh, yeah. perfect. I can do that. I think I can. Yeah, I can. That song really sounds just like guys jamming and they don't expect this to ever, anyone ever to hear this. Yeah. He even, uh, like his voice sounds very different on this whole record. Cause I think he was, it's like his Hindu, uh, you know, this, his Hindu love God's voice as mm-hmm. opposed to his Warren Zevon. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're moving on to now he's on, uh, giant records, which, um, you know, even at the time when I saw the giant label, I was like, well, that's not a big label right <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean i was just yeah. like all right i don't know who else was on giant yeah. at the time this is uh talk about the album cover it's simple he's smoking i don't like people i don't like i hate smoking on an album cover okay i hate it yeah it drives me insane um i just i'm so anti-smoking i hate smoking yeah yeah so when i see you know every eddie money album cigarette oh yeah that's true like for like what what this tells me is they couldn't even put the smoke down f- during the photo session. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think uh, this it's sort of like with excitable boy, it, like this was the absolute last thing they needed to do was just get a picture of him to put on the cover of the album. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, and this is when he started to pull his hair back. Yep. And which is fine. That's fine. Yep. Um, this album's called Mr. Bad Example produced by Waddy Wachtel. Yep. Let's see who's on it. Let me see who we got. Still a bunch of dudes, and here we go. Uh, Jim Keltner, we got uh, David Lindley, Jeff Beccaro is the, uh, I think he's the drummer on the whole album. Wadi Wachtel, Dwight Yoakam, and Jordan Zevon. So again, still there's still names coming into the studio yep. and uh, and playing and recording with uh, Warren Zevon. So what, uh, what's your first song off Mr. Bad Example? Uh, my first one, they named a movie after eventually. Yes, they did. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. I called up my friend Leroy on the phone. I said, buddy, I'm afraid to be alone. Because I got some weird ideas in my head. 
voice sounds really great on this album yeah i don't know if it's uh, it's polished or what it is but it sounds really sounds nice sounds lush i like it yeah i'd say like his uh his voice was probably one thing that never really um you know even with all the things he did to mm-hmm. his body and you know i think he never stopped smoking even when right. he stopped doing everything else uh his voice always just really always sounds good yeah i agree i agree uh, my first song off Mr. Bad Example was uh, almost took the title track because I really like that. That's a funny song. But I took uh, Finishing Touches. I'm getting tired of you. You're getting tired of me. And it's the final act of a little tragedy. So don't note that this is his fourth decade of making uh, music because he first album came out in 60s yep 70s 80s and 90s yeah by the way uh, when grunge came in in 1991 that that didn't have any effect on uh, uh warren zebon's career at all no not at all <laughs> <laughs> that didn't affect his album sales nope it uh it was it was gonna be exactly what it was yeah. no matter what was yeah. happening he was already already charts. already trending down so i just made up a word i said charge <laughs> charge from the charge <laughs> uh okay what's your second one uh my second i'll go to the very next one on the list and play renegade not a sticks cover we could title fight it with sticks <laughs> what if it was a sticks cover i think he would do a good version of that song yeah Some prayers never reach the sky Some wounds never heal They still say someday the South will rise Man, I want to see that deal And I want to grow old gracefully Some old man in the road somewhere Kneeling down in the dust by the side of the interstate
on drums. Sounding great. Yeah. 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 Lyric, uh, I don't want to grow old gracefully. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just, we start to run across a lot of lyrics coming up that are um, in retrospect or hit a little close to home. Uh, like, indeed. Yeah. It's going to get, uh, it's going to get, uh, scary and weird and it gets foreshadowing. It gets dark. It's dark. <laughs> All right. This next song that I'm going to play, this is my favorite. This is my favorite, uh, Warren Zevon song. All right. And the first time I heard this was in a Lawrence Kasdan film called Grand Canyon from 1991, which I'm sure doesn't hold up at all. No, I can't even remember. I, I'm, I'm going to read the plot to you. Okay. After attending a Lakers basketball game, an immigration lawyer named Mac, played by Kevin Klein, finds, finds himself at the mercy of potential muggers when his car breaks down in a bad part of Los Angeles late at night. The muggers are talked out of their plans by Simon, played by Danny Glover, uh, a tow truck driver who arrives just in time. Max sets out to befriend Simon, despite their having nothing in common. Hmm. <laughs> it was such a, like, it's such like uh, the white guy right outside, you know, where the Lakers yeah. are playing, and the black guys are going to, it's like so, yeah, it's, it's so black and white. Right. <laughs> it's like, and I bet, and I remember, lo- I, I remember loving the movie because I liked Big Chill, and then this mm-hmm. was this was an ensemble, you know, it had Kevin Klein and Danny Glover, Steve Martin, Mary McDonald, yep. Alfred Woodard, you know, and all that, that whole type of a thing. Right. But uh, I bet it just, I bet it just blows <laughs> to high heaven now. <laughs> but this song was uh, featured in the movie and, um, and I see, I, I bought this album because of the song Searching for a Heart. Here we go. Darkness in the morning Shadows of the land Certain individuals Aren't sticking to the plan And I'm searching for a heart Searching everyone They say love conquers all You can't start it like a car Stop it with a gun Leaving in the evening Traveling at night Staying inconspicuous I'm staying out of sight And I'm searching for a heart Searching everyone Maybe a little bit overproduced for a uh, for a Warren Zevon song. I mean, if if John Waite recorded this, would it? You know, you know what I mean. It's like yeah. uh, it's it's not a trademark uh, Warren Zevon song by no. any sense of the imagination. But I I just uh, I really like the lyrics. I really like uh, the performance on it. Yeah, I mean, for uh, he you know he wrote a lot of very dark, very cynical mm-hmm. lyrics, but he also, he writes a lot of really good love songs. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's definitely one of them. And man, giant couldn't, uh, that's, that was in a big, it was in a movie that was, uh, you know, yeah, just couldn't get it going. Couldn't get it going. No. All right. Moving on to the mutineer or not, not the mutineer, just mutineer. Mutineer. Yeah. And this, uh, yeah, four year break. So I think he's, um, 
yeah, the, the records start to come uh, less, more and more time between releases. But that happens with all these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, of this ilk. Uh, still on Giant. I don't like this album. No. I think. <laughs> okay, thank God. Yeah, no. Yeah, just not. Uh, yeah, set, a, set aside Wanted Dead or Alive. I think this is probably his worst album. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. It's just, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, nothing grabs me. Yeah, there, there's there are some songs. There's one on here I really like, and then, I mean, I picked two. Yeah, but um, but yeah, he produced it himself. It just it feels very, yeah, it feels sort of slapped together. Um, I don't know if he had as many collaborators on it as I'll he I'll as tell he, you who's on it. We got right. we got Warren Zevon, Peter Asher. Like oh he's yeah, just additional vocals on one song. Rosemary Butler background vocals. Uh, Jorge Calderon. Uh, Larry Klein on bass, David Lindley on fiddle. Uh, I don't even see who's playing drums on this. It doesn't it doesn't list a drummer. There's got to be a drummer on this album. Bruce Hornsby does some accordion. Could be a drum machine on the whole album. No, I doubt. I doubt that. I think it's just such a. It's just they just Wikipedia doesn't even know. Yeah, and because no one cares. And the the cover of this one is you know probably the worst example of it it almost looks like a selfie that he yeah you know that was that looks like but 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 it's on the water you know what i mean he's got sunglasses on he's got like his he's got like a what he, what's he got on his like a uh a, a, like a bandana, bandana maybe? yeah it's sort of it's not awful yeah. i don't think it's awful i mean with given what the album's called Right, sort of fits in with that, but then the the uh, font and everything they use, it just yeah. it, it's like photo. It looks like Photoshop. Yeah. It's just it's, it's like, not great. It's You're, it's not good. It's not a good album overall. Um, the for the first song I pick, I think is probably one of his probably one of his better songs. Really, really good tune called "The Indifference of Heaven." Same old sun. Same old moon It's the same old story Same old tune They all say Someday soon My sins will all be forgiven The gentle rain Falls on me All life falls back into the sea We contemplate Eternity Beneath the vast Indifference of heaven That sounds like a drum machine, doesn't it? It does sound like a drum machine. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's listen to the, what, the other songs. But, uh, my, uh, my first one is Seminole Bingo. I got my hands on the wheel I got gas in the tank I got a suitcase full of money From a Luxembourg bank We didn't stop till we got to Big Cypress Wandered into the Legion Hall The sign outside said Seminole Bingo Fell in love with the ping pong balls and the SEC Swamp with the gators and flamingos. 
push comes to shove, I can pick two songs out of ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But um, yeah, it's 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 okay. Yeah. You know, I just it sounds like like a Tom Petty like super throwaway. <laughs> yeah, kind of, uh, but yeah. not even that good. Yeah, I don't know. I I um I should go back through the book and see if there was like what was going on at this time that that kind of made um. Yeah, because then it's it's another five years after this until he puts out his next record. So I, yeah. you know, I think this is, um, you know, I know he, money problems and maybe he was trying to tour more often and not record to um, make up for that. I, I'm not sure, but it really does just feel sort of thrown together. Yeah. And do you got yeah, another one you want to play? I don't. I don't need to. I think we can. I, I'm ready to move on. Let me try one more. Let me play the, the title track. Let me play Mutineer. I just want to hear if there's drum machine. I want because that last song, the drum was so minimal, it just sounded like almost brushes on a. wasn't even. Yeah, it wasn't anything. But okay. let's see. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Hoist the mainsail here I come. Ain't no room on board. No drums so far, really, right? This song stinks. It's just not good. I just, I just don't like this album. Did not care for it. Yeah, it's uh, again. This is another. This was the other one that I had never heard before, and I was so disappointed by this. I was like, oh boy. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting. Because I actually went out and bought this too. Oh wow! In preparation. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting too because Mutineer was one of the songs that he did on Letterman when yeah. he did like the final episode. Right. He did he did Mutineer, he did Renegade, and he did Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner. Yeah. Um did, and, did and that, Letterman pick the songs he sang uh, that night? I know, I know he picked Rollin'. That was like his specific request, and that was the last song he played, and so it was actually the last song he ever played live. Yeah. Um Letterman killed him. Maybe oh yeah. David Letterman killed him. Yeah. I think if he hadn't played Mutineer, maybe things would have still be on. Actually, the performance of Mutineer on the show is really good. It's just yeah. him on piano. It's it uh, comes across a lot. Sometimes songs, the way they're recorded, are better in a different stripped down form or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, but um, I, I think the I think the deal is is that Warren Zevon should not have ever produced his own records because basically the ones I like the least are the ones he produced by himself. Yeah. Sometimes you need that outside, uh, that outside ear and this next one he did not produce. And I like this album Yeah, and I, and the title life will kill you is, <laughs> but it's funny too, because it's like, well, yeah, life eventually does kill you because yeah. I mean, he had no idea what was coming and no idea. Yeah. And this one is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a concept album about getting you know, older, getting and, older, and and, and dying, and dying. <laughs> um, he I must love, have known, though. I never go to the doctor. Wonder if my number's coming. I yeah, I don't, I, I don't get the again from the book. It, I don't get the sense that he felt. You know, it wasn't until like he was sick mm -hmm. that he felt sick. So, it, which I think is why he never really went. He just kind of felt like, well, I feel fine. So why go to the doctor? Why go to the doctor? Right. Uh, yeah, I love, I love, this is, this, this is a good is, one. This is my second favorite. And of, this, uh, this is your second favorite, second favorite Warren Zevon. Yeah. So the first, you like the self-titled, like the self-titled and then this, and then this, and now this album covers good cause he looks fun on it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? This Now, this is how the hair was when he would be at the gym. It was the straight and just kind of, he'd just kind of brush it forward right. over his face. Okay. But I like this, uh, I like that album cover. I like, he looks, he looks happy on yeah. that, in that album cover. Yeah. All right. So your first song is going to be? Uh, for my next trick, I'll need a volunteer. Yeah. Uh, this song that I'm going to play is, this is one of my favorite Warren Zevon songs. I've played it on the show before. I was in the house when the house burned down. Yeah. I had the shit till it all got smoked. I kept the promise till the vow got broke. I had to drink from the loving cup. I stood on the banks till the river rose up. I saw the in the house when the house burned down I may be old and I may be bent but I had money till it all got spent I had the money also he's on a new label Artemis which at the time I think was a new independent label Yep. And uh, as far as the personnel on this album, it's uh, Jorge Calderon and then names I don't know. Dennis Collins, uh, Chuck Prophet, Jim Ryan, Winston Watson on percussion and snare drums. These could be top-notch musicians, but I just don't know their names. I yeah. just don't know who they are. And the, but they, but they, they must be good because the album sounds good. Yeah. When the guy, so the guys that came in to produce this, it's the first time he ever kind of had uh, producers outside of his circle. Yes. Um, and the, these guys produced the first Radiohead album. Um, they produced, you know, guys like Buffalo Tom and Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. And so maybe those, uh, those are musicians. Maybe they were, are. Maybe they're in those bands. In those bands yeah. or, or part of that scene. So yeah, he, so these guys really brought in kind of a real different look um, and a different ear putting this together. So my, my next one, it's a cover and it's interesting cover. And I, you know, I, I had no idea that he covered this song. Yeah. And I, until I was preparing for this, I always like covers that do something very different yes. with the song. And he really does. And I like the original a lot. Um, yeah. So and it, and, and the original is a gigantic hit, huge hit. And uh, I'd love it. And the, you know, it's so it's Steve Winwood and James Taylor doing the harmony. I just, it's mm -hmm. really well done. And then he does something, 
he makes it a lot like darker. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's great. It's back in the high life again. It used to seem to me that my life ran on too fast and I had to take it slowly just to make the good parts last. When you're born to run, it's so hard to just slow down. So don't be surprised to see me in the brighter part of town. And I'll be back in the high life again. All the doors I closed one time will open up again. I'll be back in the high life again. All the eyes that watched me once will smile and take me in And I'll drink and dance with one hand free Let the world back into me Oh, I'll be a sight to see Back in the high again So funny, it's the same songs, the same lyrics but the way he sings it, the way it's recorded, it evokes a whole different type of a message. Completely different and fits right into the whole theme of the album. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, I just, my next song is My Shit's Fucked Up. All right. And it's, um, <laughs> this, is the, this is like, to me, it's, this is like a classic Warren Zevon type <laughs> yeah. song. Yeah. And um, well, you'll hear it. It's good. It's good. It's funny, you know, the title's funny, my shit's fucked up, (laughs) but here we go. Well, I went to the doctor. No, you didn't. I said, I'm feeling kind of rough. Let me break it to you, son. Your shit's fucked up. I said, my shit's fucked up. (laughs) Well, I don't see how. He said the shit that used to work. Work now. That's all you gotta know. It's true. <laughs> it is true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, like even at my age, my shit's not fucked up. But you know, you get a you get a twinge, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. All I did was step down off the stairs wrong. Yeah. Now my lower back hurts for a day and a half. Yeah. Stuff don't work the way it used to work. <laughs> um. <laughs> Also, the, we're in the 2000s now, so it's a yep. fifth decade. Yeah. And last decade fifth and of last making music. Decade, yeah. Uh, you got another song off this album for sure? Well, uh, no, you did play two. Nope, yep, those are my two. All right. Yeah. And we're moving on to uh, my rides here. Mm-hmm. I don't like this album that much either. Nope, this one's, uh, this one's slight. I'd like this one slightly better than Mutant Year. Yeah, yeah. yes. I, I, we're right on the same page yeah. so far. The um, my rides here though it, that indicate to me when I read that title it, that's a hearse. Yeah, that's what I that's what I think it is. Yeah, and this this was this was the record that was out when he got diagnosed. Yeah, so it's you know again the foreshadowing. Yeah, that comes along with that is uh yeah. And he and, oh and he self produced this self produced. So it. there you go. Yeah, he wanted all the money maybe. I guess. I don't know. Although you say that, but he collaborated on every song on this album, pretty much every song. And he collaborates with writers, like authors. Right. 
like uh, Carl Hyacin mm-hmm. and uh, Hunter S. Thompson, Mitch Album, yep. uh, which is, you know, they don't seem like songwriters. I mean, they're not songwriters. Right. So I think he was, I think the, he was going for something by doing that. He yeah. always had an affinity for writers. Carl Hyacin especially was mm-hmm. like one of his best friends. Um, so I think he was going for something here. And I think that, that hurts it in a way because then there's not really a common voice. He produces it. We've figured out he's not very good at producing himself, but there's a couple of, there's a couple of good tunes on here. David Letterman does background vocals. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what song. Uh, well, it's a song I'm going to play. So I'm going to play the second one on my list. Uh, I have to play this song because hockey is such a big part of my life. Yes. So we'll play hit somebody, the hockey song. Here we go. He was born in big beaver by the borderline. He started playing hockey by the time he was nine. His dad took the hose and froze the backyard. Little buddy dreamed he was Rocket Richard. He grew up big and he grew up tough. He saw himself scoring for the Wings or Canucks. But he wasn't that good with a puck. Buddy's real talent was beating people up His heart wasn't in it, but the crowd ate it up Through peewees and juniors and midgets and mites He must have racked up more than 300 fights Till a scout from the flames came down from Saskatoon Said there's always room on a team for a goon Son, we've always got room for a goon there were Swedes to the left of him, Russians to the right. A check at the blue line, looking for a fight. Brains over brawn, that might work for you. But what's a Canadian farm boy to do? Hit somebody! What else can a farm boy from That was Letterman. Hit somebody! What's a Canadian farm boy to do? Hit somebody! What else can a farm boy from Canada do? Not so much background vocals yeah, and just no. yelling, just yelling. Yeah, that's, hit somebody. Yeah, that's so. That's the whole Letterman's band plays on that song. So it's all it's uh, Sid and Will and, and Anton, Anton and Paul. Yeah, and and other than those guests, uh, we got Tony Levine on bass on the same song. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, Will's not on here. Oh, oh, it's uh, Anton. And Sid and Paul. Okay, got it. But yeah, and uh, Jordan Zivon and um, uh, Jorge's not even on this album. This might be the one. Yeah, I think this is the one that he's that he's not on. Yeah, yeah. Sits, sits it out. Yeah, maybe he wasn't invited. But uh, yeah, I, I I love that song. It's a you know it's a good it's a good story song. It gets all the way to the end, and he actually has a chance to score. And um, yeah, that's that's a. And what happens? Tell me. Don't hold out. Um, Are you going to make me read the book? Yeah, you got to read the book. You got to read the song, Pat. <laughs> you got to read the song. All right. Uh, my first song off this album is, I guess I'll go with, uh, I'll go with the title track, My Ride Is Here. I was staying in the Marriott with Jesus and John Wayne. I was waiting for a chariot. They were waiting for a train and the sky was full of carrion. I'll take the Mazuma, sent Jesus to Marion, that's the pretender you. My ride's here, 
guess this album cover works for the title. Yeah. He's just uh, peering out the uh, windows part of the way down, and then he's in the back of a limousine or something. Or yeah. in the back of a car. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But uh, my ride's here. It's fine. That doesn't seem like there was a ton of thought put into no, it. No, no. How about if I'm just in a car? Oh, all right. <laughs> so you got two here. Which one are you going to do? Uh, I will do uh, the third one, uh, which is called Genius. I've got a bit of a part of je ne sais quoi Guess what, I'm stirring it with a monkey's paw Since I saw you coming out of my barber shop In that skimpy little halter top Did you light the candles? Did you put on kind of blue? That Ivy League voodoo on him too He thinks he'll be alright But he doesn't know for sure Like every other unindicted co-conspirator Met a hairy head of house in France Where she worked on all her secret plans Falling for her sight unseen She was a genius And what's funny about music is you and I have been on the same page about these albums, such as The Mutineer. We don't like that one. Yep. But there's, there's someone out there that that's their favorite Warren Zevon album. Yeah. And, and, and sure, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, that song sounded really good. This like, one, right? The genius. Just now, yeah, 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 yeah that's, that sounded really good. The the, the kind of orchestration mm-hmm. he had going on, like, was really coming through. And yeah, I mean, he's he's a great writer. So yeah. no matter what, on every album, he's really putting good yeah lyrics out there. And just sometimes it's just not mm-hmm. it's not produced well or it's not holding together as yeah. a theme. Um, but yeah, compared to a lot of other artists, you know, his his worst album is still better than a lot of other people's <laughs> right. best. I, I often like, if there's bands I like, I often like the like an album in the discography that no one else likes or the one that's uh, known to be the bad album. Oh, yeah. that's their worst album. Right. I'm like, I, that's one I kind of like. Yeah. So, you yeah. Know. Sometimes I'm the same way. You never know. Yeah. Uh, my uh, other song from this album that I picked was Sacrificial Lambs. This album's better than Mutineer for sure. Because even the ones we've played, yeah, have been better than the ones we played from Mutineer. Yeah. I, I think there's a there's a big gap between yeah, this is I don't like this one. <laughs> right. You know, I like it slightly better. I I probably like it more than slightly better. I think that's what I'm trying okay. to like. There's definitely a gap. Mutineer really falls down. It really does. Yeah. I don't know what 
was happening. Yep. What was happening? So uh, just to uh, little, uh, little, read a little bit here. This is a courtesy of Wikipedia. The, the album was released on May 7th, 2002. Zvon described it as a meditation on death. It was released several months before Zvon was diagnosed with terminal mesothelioma. Sounds right. That's one of those. Uh, there's there's one of the drugs that is always advertised on TV right now. It's for mesothelioma. I can't even say. It. Oh yeah, I, I got it out once. That's it. I That's think. I, uh, I think it, you see a you see a lot of late night commercials for yeah. uh, lawyers. That's what it is. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. There's not if a you, drug for if, it. If you've yeah. been diagnosed with you know, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because I, I think right. it, it is, uh, yeah, it's, I guess, something that you can get from exposure to asbestos. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there must have been asbestos in all those cigarettes. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, there's a great compilation that comes out after this called Genius, mm-hmm. the Best of Warren Zevon. And yep. that's, a, I mean, that's, a, and that's an amazing introduction to his career. 22 songs. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I it, mean, it's, it's really, it is, it, it's even got raspberry beret on there. Yeah. But I think it's, uh, I think it's out of print. Um, and you can finally find it used though. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think it's not even, uh, I don't know that it's even available via streaming. So, wow. Yeah. Well, go to your, uh, go to your local used record store. Right. I, I see copies of it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to 2003, this was released not posthumously, but you said t- about two weeks two before weeks. he passed. Yeah, two weeks before he passed. This cover looks badass. He's uh, he's facing death. Yep. He's looking it right in the eye and he's yep. saying, "All right." Yeah. Uh, looks like he's got a gray shirt on, not a t-shirt <laughs> though. He actually looks healthy in this picture. Yeah, he it doesn't you know, look like he's ready to go. There's a um, kind of tough. Um, VH1 did a documentary of the. Recording. I, I remember that. Yeah, and uh, I just watched it the other day to to prepare for this. Is it on and, YouTube? Um, it is on YouTube. Okay. Uh, he he looks throughout the entire thing until the until the end. He he looks good, and then he you know starts to not look good, and you know has trouble breathing and that sort of thing. And it's it's kind of hard to see, but yeah, mm-hmm. he you know he said even after he got diagnosed that he never really felt sick yeah um he never felt like he was in pain he never he didn't take any treatment for this he just they said you know it was you know it was incurable they could do things to maybe prolong it and he's like yeah just we're just gonna i wonder how does it affect your body then like what do you like like when he passed what did he he didn't have a heart attack he just what did what i wonder what happened respiratory failure maybe i think respiratory failure sounds like a good thing okay it doesn't sound like a good thing but that sounds about right right yeah i think your lungs just stop working eventually now this uh everyone comes out of the woodwork to help with this album it's uh it's produced by uh jorge calderon and warren and a guy named noah scott snyder uh, Jorge and uh, Warren co-write almost every song in the album, mm-hmm. and then there's just it's just a what do I want to say? It's like a it's like an all-star band on every song. Yep. I mean, we got Ry Cooter and Billy Bob Thornton, Dwight Yoakam, Don Henley, Jim Keltner, Bruce Springsteen, Tommy Shaw, John Waite, David Lindley, Timothy B. Schmidt, uh, Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. Jordan Zevon. I'm trying not to miss any of the big 
heavyweights, uh, Joe Walsh, Emmylou Harris, mm-hmm. Tom Petty, Mike Campbell. And it must have been so, T-Bone Burnett, it must have been so weird heading down to the studio. You know, you want to help your buddy out, but you know he's not, he's not going to be around that much longer. Right, and for a lot of those guys, probably the last time they probably saw Probably the last him. time they saw him, yeah. for sure. So, uh, and this is a great album. Yeah, I, I'm... You don't think it's a great album? I, I don't, I, the, con, the concept of it and I think what he, the, the fact that he, he decided to do this, that yeah. like his, the way he was going to deal with this diagnosis was, was with music and, and he was, um, but I, I, I don't think it holds together. It's like, it feels, I feel, this is like a hot take, you know, I feel like, you know, I need to have this, uh, uh, you know, alternative view on mm-hmm. this, but for, for me, it doesn't it doesn't work as well as I think I would like it to. I don't listen to it that much because it makes me sad. It is. And maybe that might be part of it. It's yeah, just, it's a it, very difficult knowing the circumstances and then what happens two weeks after it comes out. Yeah. Um, but I think it also, it does suffer a little bit from the sort of all-star nature of it. You know, um, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe if I was able to spend more time with it, I might appreciate it more, but so if you listen to individual songs, you're on board with it, but cohesively maybe as an album, listen, it doesn't work for you. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, what uh, what was I going to say? Why is it called the wind? Is it like gone with the wind or anything like that? I, I, my assumption is it sort of had, you know, it's sort of like, the wind is the breathing, you know, it's sort of like the wind in your lungs and, or, the, or the wind's taken out of your sails yeah, some, or oh, something, oh, something like many that, yeah. meanings. I can't, yeah, I can't find anything about why it's called that, but let's, uh, we will start with you. All right. Uh, I think this might be the first track. Um, it's called dirty life and times. And let me give the rundown of just who is on this track. Warren Zevon, Ry Cooter, Jorge Calderon, Don Henley on drums, Billy Bob Thornton, always trying to do music. Is on backing vocals and Dwight Yoakam is also on backing <laughs> vocals. I just I'm so mad at Billy Bob Thornton all the time because if you go on YouTube and you see this um, this interview when his band's on tour, my friend Lisa's husband's in his band. Yeah, he's one of the box masters. But there's an interview with him that makes me so mad. He's in the studio and the guy brings up acting, and he almost wants you to pretend like he's not an actor first and foremost. Right. I mean, <laughs> and he gets mad at the guy. Yeah. He's like, would you ask that of Tom Petty? No, because Tom Petty's not an actor, you fucking dick. <laughs> oh, I mean, and the guy kind of backs down because he, you know, he's, yeah. maybe he would get fired if he, but I, w- I would have just said, how do you pay your mortgage? Is it by this album or by your acting? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, uh, so I'm always mean. mad at B- Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> for that reason. Uh, okay, Dirty Life and Times. Here we go. Don Henley on drums. Let's hear how that sounds. Shadows casting me. Some days the sun don't shine. Sometimes I wonder what tomorrow's gonna bring when I think about my dirty life and times. One day I came to a fork in the road. Folks, I just couldn't go where I was told. 
the background vocals on that now that I'm listening to them in my headphones. Yeah, it's Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. He's still rocking those skinny jeans. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if there was anyone that like when they went into the studio to help them with this album, they're like, hey, how long are we going to be? I, I got some <laughs> shit to do. I got to get going. I got, I got life to live. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that would have probably been Don Henley. Uh, yeah, probably I could, I could see that. Yeah. Um, well one, you know, and an, another, actually another aspect of them doing the record is he, he fell off the wagon when he got the diagnosis. Of and, course you would. Yeah. He's, uh, and, and, uh, that's, that, that made this an even more difficult thing yeah. to do because not only did he have to find days that he was well enough to perform, but also days that he was sober. My brother always says, he goes, of course, Ted Kennedy drank his two brothers were shot in the head right <laughs> my two brothers were shot in the head i drink too yeah but uh yeah if you if you if your diagnosis is a couple of months live it up yeah right yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean uh okay this is uh this is disorder in the house and i picked this because i'm a big bruce fan and uh i just like the feel of the song so jim keltner's on drums here we go Sorry, uh, I want to I want to play that again because th- this I I purposely queued it up because of this very weird hay. <laughs> it's just it's almost like it's not supposed to be there. Like it was an accident, right? Like something's not plugged in, and he's like pointing at his microphone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me I'm going to play it again. You listen for uh, Warren say hey, but it's not like he's counting the song in or anything. It's just like hey, <laughs> like someone stepped on his foot. Right. Here we go. I think I know what it was. He was drinking out of a garden hose and someone kinked it up. And he's like, hey, (laughs) I'm drinking here. All right, here we go. Hey. (laughs) It's so weird. And they left that in. (laughs) Disorder in the house. The tub runneth over. Plaster falling down in pieces by the couch of pain. I like it. Bruce is kind of sloppy on this song. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they're not they're not really singing together. I wonder if Bruce was really in the studio if we just recorded some background vocals over the phone and they sent it in. I don't know. Yeah, no, he's he's there. He's in the he's in the documentary. Oh, okay. Um, but I think actually he recorded his vocals first. Okay. If I'm remembering, because Warren was having trouble. Ah. It was actually, it's actually Warren that's having the trouble because when they, when he went to record the next day, he just was kind of a little out of whack and, but you know, again, like (laughs) they don't have a lot of time to get this together. Right. He he had no idea. He outlived his diagnosis by 
you know, seven, eight, nine months. Yeah. So every day that came along, he thought that, you know, could be tomorrow. Yeah. So recording the music probably kept him going. Yeah. Him, oh yeah, know? absolutely. He also, um, his daughter was pregnant at the time and he was also trying to hang on until she, uh, had her kids and he and could see his grandkids did, did and, he, he, make and he did, he did make it. He also said he wanted to live to see the next James Bond picture and, uh, which was die another day. And, and, he, and he did. So. Well, sadly, he did. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. It's not a good one. <laughs> no. But just knowing that Warren Zevon was a James Bond fan is pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also was really, um, you know, he was, he was very mercenary about this record. You know, he said to his management when he got the diagnosis, he said, use, use that. If it gets me publicity, if it gets money, us interviews, it gets my family money. Exactly. You know, I like this is, you know, I want, I want to milk everything I can out of this. You know, don't be afraid to. All right. Yeah. Well, got to, got to, got to like his reasoning. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, get a case of liquor in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's, uh, what's next? Uh, so the next one I picked is, uh, it's a tough, it's a tough one to listen to. I wondered whether we should put it in because, you know, close to the end of the show. Kind of got to put it in though. feels like a real downer, but, uh, I know, but it's so good. Uh, I just, I, I love this because Emmy Lou Harris sings background vocals and she's got one of the most amazing mm -hmm. voices. Uh, and, uh, but you know, it's, it's heartfelt and you got to have it in there. It's uh, please stay, please stay here with you. When there's nothing left but you and me in the wind We'll never know till we try To find the other side of the night Please stay relationship was with Jackson Brown because after like their early stuff then Jackson's really not around much I mean he's on this album for uh doing some background vocals on on a tune but I mean I wonder if uh, I wonder if they had a falling out or something yeah they they did you know they it did. stemmed stemmed from you know the uh, alcohol and the drugs mm -hmm. and the problems he was having in the early 80s and um yeah, I think they they lost touch for a while, and obviously this this brought a lot of people back that he had um, pushed away over the years. Yeah. Uh, I picked because this was such a like a what do I want to say it's it's a ballsy cover to do when you're dying, knocking on heaven's door. Yep. And uh, when I when I saw the lineup on this, I remember when this album came out, and I was like, like John Waite and Tommy Shaw don't really mesh uh, seem like they belong here at all but uh i guess maybe these guys were just putting the word out and whoever was in town came over so uh tommy shaw plays 12 string 
acoustic guitar and backing vocals, and John Waite does backing vocals. And you can hear, you definitely hear John Waite on this. This is the uh, Bob Dylan song. I think this is from the Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid yep. soundtrack. This is Knocking on Heaven's Door. Mama, take this badge off of me. can't use it anymore It's getting dark Too dark to see And I feel I'm knocking on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door I mean, it's a straightforward cover, but I, I do, I do like it. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. It's uh, it's very indicative of his wit. Yes, you know, because they probably when he when, when he they they the other guys were probably like, you should, you sure this is a song you want to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to play your the last one you picked too because I I would have picked this, but you had it on your list, so I didn't know that you might not play it. But, okay, because th- this song is just heartbreaking too. Yeah, keep me in your heart. Closes out the album. are falling and I'm running out of breath. Keep me in your heart for a while. If I leave you, it doesn't mean I love you any less. Keep me in your heart for a while. When you get up in the morning and you see that crazy sun. In your heart for a while There's a train leaving nightly called When all is said and done Keep me in your heart for a while And that's a rough one. Yeah. It's tough. And I, I, uh, it's the last, it's the last one he recorded for the album too. And you you can sort of hear it in his voice. He's, you know, the breath, the breath is getting a little harder. And I think he actually recorded the singing at home because he was too weak to even get to the studio. And, but he was determined to, to finish, finish, this was his last, there's a, it's like a marathon. Yeah. There's a, uh, uh, a couple years later, there was a, there was a uh, tribute album that came out, and actually Jorge Calderon covers that for the tribute album. And it's really uh, you played a little bit of it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Enjoy every sandwich is what it's called. Right. If I leave you, it doesn't mean I love you any less. Keep me in your 
heart for a while When you get up in the morning And you see that crazy sun Keep me in your heart for a while There's a train leaving nightly called When all is said and done Keep me in your heart for a while This album just came out a year after his, the the wind, right. his last album. Yeah, wasn't like a couple years later for the tribute album. Yeah, uh, a year I, later. Yeah. And it was uh, the cover was a, a Hirschfeld mm-hmm. yeah. drawing, and the 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 phrase was uh, you know uh, he said it to Letterman on the, in the interview on the last show Enjoy that he did. Sandwich. Yeah, he's like, what have you learned? Letterman asked him, like, what, what have you learned going through this? And he's like, just to enjoy every sandwich. <laughs> I mean, and do you think that was something he had thought of previously, or do you think that was right then in the moment off the cuff? Uh, I, think it, I think it was off the cuff. The way he says it is, is very understated. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like he wasn't waiting for that to be teed up so he could yeah. say it. It was sort of like the first thing that popped in his head. Wouldn't it have been great if Anton Fig would have gave him a... <laughs> 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 um, all right, so how, how do we sum up Warren Zevon? He's a songwriter, songwriter. Yeah. He's um, musicians that knew him, loved him, knew he was great, even if he didn't break through to the masses like, uh, like maybe he could have or should have. Yeah. Maybe... He's, uh, you know... Uh, a very complicated person for sure. Um, dealt with a lot of, dealt with a lot of demons and sort of had it, uh, kind of come back and bite him, bite him in the ass in the end. Um, but probably, you know, it's, it's sort of amazing. I think of, um, you know, the chance he had though, to kind of go out the way he did and knowing what was going to happen to him and what he did with that, I think is, is, it's, it's some achievement, you know? And so like, was he the best guy? No, but um, I just yeah. I mean, he wrote some incredible song. He's got to be one of the best, you know, the best songwriters that's that's ever come along, you know, in the last no, 40, 50 years. He's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't even know if he's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame or not. Yeah, not sure. But when uh, you know Letterman inducted Pearl Jam into the Rock and mm-hmm. Roll of Fame, he mentioned Zevon in his speech and he said, you know, I hope one of these days that you guys will find it in your hearts to, to put Warren Zevon in here. And that was yeah. a long time ago, I believe when yeah. Pearl Jam got in. So. Yeah. So he's still, still fighting the good fight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so tell the listeners if, if you, you want the listeners to go out and buy three Warren Zevon albums, what would they be? What would your three be? Uh, I would, I would tell them to buy Warren Zevon. Uh, so the, the self-titled, um, I would, I would, say life life will kill you um and um and i kind i'd want to say sentimental hygiene i think it's just a it's such Mm -hmm. a great rock album but i may i may say excitable boy because there's still so many standards on that one right so and i would say i would say excitable boy and i would say the envoy and what would my third one be what would it be look through these I think I'm going to go with a Mr. Bad Example. I like that one. Yeah. So, uh, and if you're just, if you just uh, 
want to get into the you know the hits or the singles, then try to track down this out of print uh, genius. Yep, the best of. I think he's got twenty two tracks on it. It's a, it's one of the most solid best of packages i've ever heard yeah like you'll you'll like every song yeah i think enjoy every song yeah <laughs> uh now you're gonna you you want to play us uh well let's do some promoting first okay uh kevin you've been doing uh i i did album of the year uh, a couple years ago and yep. then some guys who jumped on to doing that like michael bagford and greg cadester and, and some guys throw in a single of the day or whatever and uh and uh, you are, you do lyric of the day. Yeah. Now that takes a lot of thought. Or do you just do you just like the night before? Do you just run through some songs in your head? Or are you listening to the radio and you're like, oh, that's a great lyric. How? What is your process for this? Because you're posting every day lyric of yep. the day, and you do you do some lyrics and who wrote it and who recorded it and yeah you know, some deep, some stats. What I actually I what I when I started doing it what I I actually have the the whole list put together for the year. You you just you just sat I down just, and did it. I just sat down it's and did it. It's probably smart to yeah. do it especially with that. Uh and and what I've found as I've gone along is I'll get to a day and there's a song I'm going to post and and I'll sort of take a fresh look at the lyrics and I think actually this is just a good song but there's not there's not like a memorable mm-hmm. lyric that you'd want to pull out. So some I've I've got like some extras and yeah. I'll, I'll like for example the curly shuffle, right? What I mean a like great, you, like one day you you type you're typing hey mo hey mo <laughs> yuck, 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 and you're like you know what no yeah great song maybe not the best not the best not lyric. the best lyrics, uh so but what I've what I've tried to do is is like you know grab a really memorable lyric mm-hmm. that you know even if. Like that's what you're going to take away from the song. The the rest of the song might be really great, but the, there's something about the the lyric that really grabs you. And the, yeah. and and uh, I've just I've always you know I I love music, but I've always loved writing. Now, I know there's a lot of people that kind of they like the sound of something, and I and and there are a lot of songs that I feel that way about too. But like a good lyric, I think, is just really can can really make a song. And you know, Warren Zevon's obviously a great example of uh, you know someone that can turn turn out a lyric and, and what's great is when you pull out like uh you know uh, two or three lines from a song and you post it you know and when i read those every day and i read it it's like it it takes on like a whole different life when you just pull it out of the song and right. you're just reading these th- two or three lines it's pretty cool so yeah, yeah. and there's you know i you you'll find sometimes there's there are songs that have that it's almost like in the midst of this yeah. you know kind of typical pop song there's yeah. this like in, incredible insight that the songwriter yep. came up with and when you pull that out it's um you know the 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 very first song i posted when i started doing this was tears for fears everybody wants to rule the world mm-hmm. and so this is a song that comes out when i'm 16 years old and the, the opening lines are welcome to your life there's no turning back yeah that's, and great. that's just it's great it's just stuck with me you know, for the past however long ago that was now. But then, but in the, when you hear the lyric and it's welcome to, yeah. it, it doesn't, sometimes you got to see it. Sometimes you got to yeah. read it just the way you just read it. Yeah. And for me, like a, a lyric that I always go to because it paints such a picture, it doesn't just paint the immediate picture. It paints such a big picture for me is, um, is Springsteen when he, Screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. Yep. Like I can see, I don't just see Mary and the screen door. I see 
the porch and the house and it's it's to me it's on a farm and it's you know it's yep. just ever yeah. it, it just those two lines just expand the whole yeah. world for me yeah so you can see the sky and everything see everything yeah. and you just it's great yep. so uh okay so where are you on twitter so people can continue or start yeah. reading these lyrics that you're posting every day yeah you can uh, simple i'm at k hartberger uh it's h-a-r-t-b-a-r-g-e-r um and i'm yeah i'm doing it every day i usually right. post it uh, at some point first thing in the morning follow kevin yeah. uh we are at rock solid show i am at pat underscore francis kyle is at kyle dots and funny go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things about the podcast t-shirts the episodes are there link to the patreon page all that fun stuff. Uh, thank you for supporting us through Patreon. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? We're in year nine. Year nine, you bums. Um, uh, thank you for being here, Kevin. This was great. Yeah. I, I look forward to our next record. Thank you and for having you, me. Yeah, of course. Of course. You flew in just for this. You planned other stuff around. I did. I did. But I like to think it's just for this. Yeah. This was the number one priority right. of the weekend. Yeah. I like to hear that. Um, <laughs> So you want to you want to close out the show with "Hasten Down the Wind." Yeah, but do you want to? Because you have two versions here. We could play the studio version or the live version from "Learning to Flinch." What do you want to do? Yeah, let's let's play the studio version. But I, you know, Warren did put out two live albums during his career. They're definitely worth listening mm-hmm. to. Great live performer. Uh, but the studio version, which was you know, it's on that self titled album, um, is which, fantastic. Which is your favorite album? Yes, nineteen seventy six. Hasten down the wind. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Pat. She tells him she thinks she needs to be free. He tells her he doesn't understand. She takes his hand. She tells him nothing's working out. The way they planned She's so many women He can't find the one who was his friend So he's hanging on to half a heart But he can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten She needs to be free Then she says she'd rather be with him But it's just a whim By which she hopes to keep him on the limb She's so many women So he's hanging on to half the heart He can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten down the wind So
his friend So he's hanging on to half a heart He can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten down the wind 